What is up, YouTube? Welcome in to another edition of Bucky and BK live on Texas Sports Unfiltered and on the free Texas Sports Unfiltered app. Today is Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024, and the Buck and I are with you until 10 o'clock, and Texas Sports Unfiltered is with you until 5 o'clock. Yes, we have resumed regular programming Right here on TSU, we are back to our normal 8 to 5 schedule. So we will be with you all all morning and all afternoon long talking plenty of Texas football, the NFL, and so much more. And this morning, the Buck and I will continue our autopsy slash postmortem for the 2023 Texas Longhorn football season, which of course came to an end now a couple of nights ago, but uh, we are still reeling from that. So we will uh, be with you to help guide you through the pain and suffering that has gone on since Monday night. But uh, we're here with you for the next couple of hours, and we appreciate y'all spending some of your morning with us. And the Buck and I are back in Austin. Buck, good morning. Good morning to you, BK, and happy Perion Healy Day to you all out there, which is the day that the earth is closest to the sun. So are you sunners out there? If you're thinking about going out there and getting some sun on all your different regions, today is the day. Come rain or shine, it doesn't matter. Cloudy, you're still going to get enough sun on those spots. So if you're a, a true believer of the sun like I am, you know, because I am a weather caster, which all weather. No, not quite. I'm not. You said a couple of weeks ago that you only do rain. You don't do temperatures so i don't know if you can call yourself a weather caster or whatever well, that i'm is. pretty good at today i mean i'm giving them this day i mean they could have looked it up to find out this was a day my wife actually told me so she let the weather caster know this is the day that the earth is closest to the sun you know she's sort of like you and you said that um oh winter would be here on the 21st and i told you no it was here on the 17th you were wrong of course again when it comes to playing with the weather i was right on the money what are you talking about? It was like 75 degrees on December 17th. Didn't that make winter so much better for the for the people? <laughs> you uh, can literally Google right now and see that I was right that December, or excuse me, that winter started on December 21st. How wrong you and these other people are. And I wasn't around here to predict this rain, but we drove some of the ways back from New Orleans and it and man, was it coming down last night. Dude. And for the people that went through it. Uh, I have a little prayer for those that had to go through that at that time because there were a lot of folks on the road yesterday as we were coming back from New Orleans, for sure. Yesterday sucked. That, it's, I mean, that's just a part of your trip. You go, then you have to eventually come back. Win or lose, you got to come back. And by the way, good morning to the soldiers at Fort Cavazos, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas, and all those that fight for us each and every day, rain, shine, uh, periodontal day or whatever it is. You are always there for us, so thank you very, very much for what you do. It's appreciated. What's this day called? Perry McDonald? <laughs> oh, Perry and Healy. Perry and Healy Day. Who is that? I don't know. The sun goddess. The goddess of the sun or something. Hmm. Could have picked a better name for that. No kidding. How about sun goddess? Yeah. I'm looking at my weather app right now, and it says today is going to be cloudy. You're telling me this is the day to lay out and get a tan? Absolutely. If you're part, yeah, sun's going to go through all that stuff. Just yeah. feel it, feel it. Go with the vibe of the day. I may go shirtless today. It's cold Everybody, out there. It's in the I may 40s. go shirtless everywhere I go today, just to prove to you that the sun is there. 
I hope for everyone else's sake, you have nowhere to go today. Because <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. Look. No, I ain't got no time for that at all. No. And look, no. the drive back, it is what it is, but it's so much better after your team wins, right? Yes, there's no doubt about mood, it. And we would have been talking about our plans to get down to Houston next Monday for a national championship game. And uh, just the vibes would have been so much better than what they were yesterday. But yeah, after a loss, and then you've got to make the long road trip back. And there was all sorts of traffic headed on I-10 yesterday. And like you said, the weather became a factor the closer and closer we got to Austin. I mean, it took us nearly 10 hours to get back home yesterday. It took us like seven hours, maybe seven and a half because of stops. Yeah. But if it was just driving, it would have taken us seven hours to get to New Orleans back on the 30th. It yes. took us nearly 10 hours with just one stop. We seriously did a combo stop. We spent like 100 bucks on crackling and boudin balls, which we still have a ton of that. And that's going to be my food for the next couple of days. Thank you very much. I did indulge in those little baby ribs, maybe yeah, squirrel, rib. squirrel ribs or whatever that you got. They were delicious. Yeah, I think I think those were pork. I don't think we were eating squirrel yesterday. Well, we were down in Squirrel Valley. By the way, I almost got us off to a bad start yesterday. Sorry about that, but I had to do my homeless act. Yeah, so there's out of some state, out of state. Yeah, we've got some stories for the people that uh, look. We're not going to tell all of them today. We'll uh, space them out over the next couple of days and weeks. And we want to talk plenty of Texas football, and we know you guys want to talk plenty of Texas football as well. But uh, we will share this story. So we've mentioned it. If you watched or consumed any of our coverage in New Orleans, number one, thank you. Uh, number two, you know that we were staying right across the street from a giant tent camp tent hotel the hotel really the was hotel. yes it felt like a hotel resort and casino <laughs> that we were staying across from i mean literally we were right on the corner of a street next to i-10 we were basically off the feeder road of i-10 in new orleans and right across the street under the bridge there were dozens and dozens of tents I found it necessary to help those people out. Why you, why you people, my my traveling guys there, pick out a certain time when it's when it's right for them to go help the homeless. I, when people are in need, I am there. Yeah. So we tweeted out a video of this yesterday at TS Unfiltered on Twitter. If you don't follow us, please do. Uh, but the buck went across the street, like walked across the feeder road, to get to this homeless tent camp because we had a couple of shirts uh, from Left one over. of our potential sponsors that uh you know it's like ah okay we'll we'll give them away you know the homeless people need these they'll take some free shirts and the buck was kind enough to put his life on the line seriously no. traffic on i-10's feeder road to give these to the homeless people so he does that he starts walking back and there was a hobo who followed bucky across the feeder road and this was literally the last thing bucky did before we got in the car to head back to austin and we're all packed up. All of our stuff's in the car. Bucket's in the car. We're typing in my home address into ways to set up the GPS system. And all of a sudden, right as we're about to put the car in drive and head home, we hear a... On our car. Oh, it was a palm tree, I got to believe. And it's a hobo. The hobo who followed Buck across the street caught up to us and was banging on the car. And we just... Put that shit and drive and go. <laughs> that dude was like Terminator. How did he appear so quick? 
I don't know how we got there, but I was terrified. Every time I looked in the overhead mirror on the drive home, I was worried that dude was going to be right behind the us. The Walking Dead. I mean, I I never saw him. I just heard the sound on the back, and I said, oh, that must be the palm tree as we're pulling out. No, it was not the palm tree. It, the guy with the black looked, hoodie? guy with the black hoodie banging on our car. Zay was line. there. Zay was going to Zay was there to protect me. I did start to I that guy said something from about two blocks away. And that's when I started to make my move back. And all of a sudden he started to gain ground on me. I'm like, wait a minute. This dude is catching up to me. I don't think he's walking anymore. Mm, you know? You're not as fast as you used to be. So you're no. a little easier to catch up to now. Wow. What did he say to you? He just yelled something like, hey, I need a T-shirt or hey, give me your wallet. Or, hey, I want that ass. <laughs> <laughs> Those are three very, very different things there. You, Maybe I heard, I want that ass. Oh, like, think, oh, boy. You think he was trying to make a move on you? Oh, I was mo And I was going as fast as I could. And Zay was there. He was filming. Zay was there. He was about to. Zay said he was very close to making that move towards that guy. Zay was filming from across the street. I, if that guy would have caught up to you, I don't know how much he would have been able to do. You think he would have dragged me into one of the tents? Oh. Like Brokeback Mountain? Well, I think you would have liked that. That is one of your favorite <laughs> movies, isn't it? No. Oh, dude, that was I didn't I didn't feel I didn't feel afraid at all because when I originally knocked at the door of the tent, they had a door, like a wooden door on the side of the tent. I'm like, wait a minute. Why is there a door? This is not the Ritz. This is not the Marriott. Why do they need a wooden door on this side of the side of there. So I yelled in, this lady sticks her head out and she thanks me. But as I'm turning around to go, I hear this voice from down the road. And that dude, that dude was just walking at first. Then he started to pick up his pace. And then I had to cross over the, the access road there and cars are coming down the ramp. And I'm going, uh-oh, this may not be good. And then I see Zay with a camera in his hand. I need him to start coming my way. But he was like, you know, Scorsese, he, I mean, he wouldn't, I'm like, dude, you need he's to come keep, this way. Stop it. He's keeping his distance, man. He doesn't want to also get raped by a homeless guy. <laughs> dude, that dude did not hit the car. You guys are seeing things and making up stories, I got to believe. Dude, right hand to God. That guy was banging on the back of our car. And Trey was driving. Trey drove the whole way yesterday. That guy is committed to, when he's, he doesn't want you on, he doesn't want anybody on the wheel. No. He's Speedy Gonzalez, too, man. He is trying to book wow. it at all times. So, uh, unfortunately, there was so much traffic leaving Louisiana yesterday that we couldn't really book it the way that we wanted to. But, uh, yeah, no, as soon as that guy started banging on that on that car, uh, I'm like, go, 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 go. Because <laughs> you guys kept saying, he's in the mirror again. I'm like, where is he? <laughs> he's not oh. in the mirror. He can't catch us. We came around the corner. And we're expecting to see that guy in the hoodie. Yeah, that that's not dangerous. I didn't I, I didn't feel endangered to the guy's pace picked up. I'll tell you what, for the next week or two, if I hear a knock on my apartment door, <laughs> I'm gonna be a little nervous that it is that guy, the angel of death, who uh, has somehow, some way caught up to us all the way back in Austin uh, because he's mad that you didn't give him a shirt or your wallet or your rectum. I mean, he was, that dude, that dude was coming from my rectum. I mean, I went over there and there were needles, used needles on the sidewalk. I'm like, mm. you know what? Maybe this isn't, this is not like going over, you know, Ben White, where I didn't, I have never noticed any needles. I'm sure there are, but I didn't know there. 
they were out there. So I was like, damn. Plus, I had seen those people for two and a half days and listened to them on their motorcycles or whatever they've been driving. I don't know how you have a homeless camp or Marriott, but you've got a patio and you've got a parking space. I mean, it was like amazing how many people were over there. Yeah, it was. It was amazing how close we were to them. But uh, we survived. We yes. made it. And we'll have plenty more stories to share from our Airbnb experience out there in New Orleans. And uh, great trip, minus the football game. And unfortunately, the football game went the way that it did. Uh, we had abbreviated programming yesterday. We had a post-game show a couple of days ago. You can find that on YouTube. Uh, we were live, we being Texas Sports Unfiltered, from 9 to 11 yesterday. So I had a couple of hours of content yesterday. But once again, our first full day of programming here in the new year. And uh, plenty to get into, Buck. And look, now that you've had the chance to, to think about things a little bit and kind of reflect on what went wrong on Monday night, uh, I, you know, I'd love to ask you kind of what, what your big takeaways are from the game and, and where you think this one got away from Texas. On I Monday. thought they played tight. I thought they came out once again. It had that feeling of Oklahoma again. They weren't – the kids weren't loose. They The other side of the field – Guys were jumping around. They were good. These guys were a little bit tight. The, the, the moment seemed for some of them to be a little big. You know what I mean? I, I thought Texas looked like they felt like the moment may have been, at, at times in that game, just a little too big. I mean, they had a penalty on the first freaking play of the game. I mean, that's the one we really – I think that's the one we really – we had talked about that, BK. And I think that's the thing that we didn't – I know there's a long time in a football game. There's a lot of time, and that shouldn't have affected them. But for, for fans and, and the way we talked about this game, were they going to be ready? You know, Sark had talked about how focused they were. The very first freaking play, they were behind the chains. And it just it's just like, you know, those things are just a pain. They had a sack. They had a hole. They had some – I mean, they had 10 penalties in, penalties in the football game. So they just – they seemed a little jittery. I just called it jittery. I didn't think they were af afraid or, or any of that. They weren't intimidated by the opposing team. They were just, they had jitters. Yeah. First play of the game, a snap infraction penalty on Jake Majors. And all of a sudden, Texas is facing a first and 15. Now, they did convert that. They picked up a first down yes. on that opening drive before they punted it back to Washington. But honestly, I was pretty excited that Texas lost the coin toss, right? I wanted the ball first. I wanted right. this Longhorn offense to go out there Absolutely. and kind of set the tone against a Washington defense that wasn't statistically great during the regular season. I'm like, all right, hey, let's let's march down the field, score a touchdown, and put a seat of doubt in their sideline and in that fan base. But that's not how it went down. Texas punts it. Washington marches down the field and scores a touchdown on their first drive of the game. And Texas was playing catch-up ever since, and the Longhorns never led in that football game. It was And the way they scored that touchdown we had talked about, too. Come on, guys. Let's not give up any big plays. And let's yeah. not give them up, like – on their first series. Let's wait till the fourth series or the fifth series, but not on the first series. Don't give away a, a, a long pass. And they did that. And I mean, they did what they needed to do when it came to the pass game. They attacked Texas. They attacked that secondary. You know, they tried to run just for the hell of it, which that's all it was because they weren't going anywhere in the run game. They're running back their thousand yard rusher got hit over and over and over again. The guy didn't, who didn't get hit over and over again was Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. They protected him well. <clears throat> and the times when they got pressure, he was very nimble in the pocket. He got the ball off. He got it off quick. 
He got it, and there were times he just needed to get it in the direction of their wide receivers because they were going to beat Texas secondary. One-on-ones, it didn't matter. Coverage, scheme, or whatever it was, if he got the ball off, he was going to make things happen. And he did exactly what we thought he could do. Yeah, I mean, he was just that quarterback, you know? He's awesome. And we unfortunately got to see why he was the Heisman runner-up this year and why he might be a first-round pick in the NFL draft come April. That was Uh, 400 of the most quiet yards you've ever seen. Uh, it was pretty loud to me. Uh, he was he was doing whatever the hell he wanted, and it was like watching my house burn down, and there was nothing I could do to stop it. It was yeah, it was a painful 430 yards wow. for Michael Penix Jr. And you're right. I mean that was that was what every Texas fan feared when the matchup was announced way back on December. 3rd. Yes, it was. And it's like okay, they've got the number one passing offense in the country. They've got this super talented six year senior at quarterback. They've got all of these r- ridiculously good wide receivers. And we've got a secondary that has been our biggest weakness all season long. Uh, If Texas loses, it's going to be because we can't stop their passing game. And that's exactly what happened. You're right. A 77-yard pass play on the first drive of the game. Wasn't a touchdown, but it got Washington all the way down to the two-yard line, and they scored it on the very next play. And from that moment on, I think every Longhorn fan was like, "Uh uh-oh. There's more of this to come, and there was. Yep. There, there, yep. there really, really was. And I, and I thought for the, for the Texas side that, you know, you can run the ball. I kept saying, on, as I sat there, I said, you can run the ball more than once in a row. You actually can run it twice in a row. I think Texas had a, a really good advantage in the run game that, I don't know, Sarge just decided that he wanted to get Quinn Ewers going, which it was okay. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but I think he left some opportunities to run the ball more. In that game, period. In all, in, in every quarter, first, second, third, and fourth quarter, I think there were opportunities to run the ball against this group. And instead of let, letting them have these sustained drives, you could have had those drives, but you decided to throw it around. Your quarterback got pressured. You know, the offensive line was just very average in the passing game. But I thought they were good enough in the run game to give you some some pluses. But I think he decided that he was, he decided that maybe this was going to be a shootout and he had to prove that, early in the game and at different parts of the game that, okay, if we're going to shoot it out, we're going to start throwing it. We're not going to spend our time getting six yards a clip in the run game. That should have told him something at halftime that, hey, we're running this ball pretty good, and we need to run it more than on one occasion in a row. Well, coming out of halftime. It was tied. It was tied. Washington got the ball first. They scored a touchdown. Steve Sarkeesian tried to do what you were talking about, but on Texas's very first play, yeah. A run, T.J. Baxter fumbled. And then, boom, just like that, Texas is down two scores. And you kind of feel like, all right, you've got to play catch up a little bit. And, oh, by the way, the other running back, Jaden Blue, fumbled in the second half as well. So I I think the worst – I think you're right. Like, the worst thing Sark did, it wasn't the initial game plan. Like, I don't hate – hindsight's 20-20. Of course, now I wish Sark wanted to run the ball more early in the game. But Washington has a top 40 run defense in college football. They've got a bottom 10 secondary in college football. So your initial game plan being, well, let's take advantage of one of the worst secondaries in the country. It's not a bad idea because you've got faith in your quarterback and your receivers and your tight ends, too. Well, I had faith in that. I had more faith in that offensive line protecting the quarterback, but it got that got shaken pretty quickly, too. Yeah, I mean, what, what I wish Sark did, I wish he abandoned that opening script a little bit earlier yes. than he did. Because you're right, like it was it was obvious that 
like Texas could run the ball effectively. And Sark, you know, I get it. The opening script, that's the stuff you've been practicing for the last sure. couple of weeks. Coaches yeah, do so not yeah, like secondary go attack it. Yep. Coaches do not like to go away from that. But like that would have been the thing is in the first half. And once again, Texas was still tied at halftime in this game. So it's not like that's what killed them. But in the first half, it felt like, yeah, Texas maybe had the opportunity to control the clock a little bit more, to wear down that Washington defense a little bit more, and to more importantly, keep the Washington offense on the sideline. Like, they probably could have done that more if they put more of an emphasis on running. The football. Yeah, well, the, the the running back coach was not very happy. I saw him with those two players, and they that was just, they were just being negligent on the way they carried the ball. Those were, those were good run plays. They got yardage on those plays, but they didn't protect the ball in the end. And that was the jitters. They looked like those two were jittery because – you know, Lou missed a pass that hit him right in the hand. I mean, it wasn't a perfect pass, but it was perfect enough that he should have caught it because that guy behind him was not going to catch him. You know, he dropped that ball. He made a nice play at the end there. Good, but I need 100%. I don't need 50% of the catches. I need 100% of the catches because you've been catching the ball. That wasn't that hard of a pass to catch, the one that he dropped down the sideline. That was a huge – that was going to be a huge play for the Longhorns that he dropped. Mm. And the fumble, he just never put it away. It just never got tucked away at the end. He'd already made yardage on the play. It's time to tuck that thing away. It was way, it was like out front of him. I mean, it was it was starting to fumble away before he even started to tuck the ball. And once again, Cedric Baxter just got hit hard. Sorry, but they hit hard in college. And when they hit hard, that means you really got to put the ball away. He made yardage on his play, but he got hit and the ball got stripped. That's just the way it goes, big fella. That's how they play. That's how the game is played. You're going to get hit hard. So you got to understand that's the way it goes. And he came out limping. You know, once again, I'm not – his body language has to change for me to think he's going to be a great one, not just a good running back, but a great one. That whole body language, every time he gets hit, he came up. He's got a bad foot. So he came up, late, limped out from one sideline to the other. They helped him over there. But two plays later, he came back and was at full speed again. If your ass is hurt, you're hurt. You don't pop back up in two plays, and now you're ready to go again. Now, it's nice. It's a nice to see. But, you know, but I tell you, you're, the people around you see that. They're going, damn, he's hurt again. That's the first thing I said. Damn, his foot is hurt again. But two plays later, that guy's back in the game. I'm going, wait a minute. Why are you limping like you broke your damn foot if you're right back in the game in two plays? Did you get a stinger or something? If you're out, you're out. I, that's something I think mentally people are going to look at him and start going, Come on now. He'll get, uh, hopefully, he'll get over it. Once again, he's a freshman in college. This is his first year in it, but some of the signs don't look good. But Jane Blue is a player. He is a player. He just got to protect the ball. Those things, things like that happen, but it makes them seem like they're young and jittery. Yeah. And, that, those, and those plays hurt badly. And you yeah. know the timing of when those things happen, too, and where they were hurt that football team. Two second-half turnovers in the biggest game of the year. I mean, it just can't happen. It no. just cannot happen. And the Longhorns shot themselves in the foot uh, one too many times on Monday Ten night. Penalties. Wow. Ten penalties. They lost the turnover battle and obviously missed opportunities with drops. And you know, that final four-play sequence, you feel like it was a missed opportunity for Texas there as well. But I just but don't, I, know, I don't know what you call there. I mean, guys are standing at the goal line. I don't know if you practice – this is our last ditch effort from the 20 and in with, you know, no timeouts and 20 seconds on the clock. I don't, I don't know. I've never, I've been in, I've been in, you know, you scoring zone offenses and things like that. I've never been around where you, where you practice. There's nothing left on the clock. Guys are standing at the end line. 
and you got to get open in the end zone. Basically, you have to get open in the end zone because right. if you catch the ball in bounds, you just don't have enough time to even spike it or whatever. Or the, you got now you're leaving it up to the officials and the the clock guy. You know. Right. Well, one final thought on the running backs here. Um, look, I, I think C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue are going to be great players at the University of Texas, but it was pretty obvious that Jonathan Brooks was missed in that game. Dude, that dude would have had two hundred. Sark would have turned around and handed it to that guy in that particular football game about 40 times. There's no doubt in my mind if they had a healthy Jonathan Brooks. I know it's, you know, here we go Monday, Tuesday morning quarterback, Wednesday morning quarterback. But that guy would have had a field day. He would have had big yardage because the holes that were open were open by the offensive line. They weren't they weren't guys breaking tackles. They were there were holes available because that offensive line had really blocked well for the run. And Jonathan Brooks would have crushed that. And he would have made the guys in the secondary miss, too. Yep, and he wouldn't have fumbled. No, I don't think so. That guy was really good with the football when he was healthy this season. And, yeah, look, he's one of the best running backs in the country. So uh, injuries happen, part of the game. Texas obviously had some success running the football without Jonathan Brooks. But, uh, yeah, it would have been nice to have your Doak Walker candidate back there. There was no doubt I thought he would have had it. He would have had a tremendous game. Yeah, in, in that in that football game because I, I thought the defense, the defensive front, they they pressured Penix, but we had talked about no, you need to sack this dude. You can't pressure him because he's going to throw it no matter what. He's not throwing the ball out of bounds. He's throwing it up because his guys are better than your guys. That's yeah. how he. It looks like he just felt that way. He's been feeling that way all season for the last two years. My guys are just better than the guys that are covering them, even if they're covered. Yeah, I mean. We talked about it like Texas against Washington last year in the Alamo Bowl had zero sacks against Michael Penix Jr. And we were saying that number can't repeat right. in the Sugar Bowl this year. But sure enough, it did. I mean, Texas had zero sacks in the Sugar Bowl on Monday night. And yeah, you're right. Washington's offensive line did a great job. I thought Byron Murphy had a hell of a game for Texas. I thought Tavondre Sweat was average, but he was getting double teamed a lot. Yep. The, the, big, the big problem was... Nothing Texas outside. Got, Texas got nothing off the edge, and and that's an issue. Like uh, it was a bad game for Baron Sorrell. Ethan Burke made a couple of plays, but you know Justice Finkley didn't do a whole lot. Like the edge rushers for Texas just couldn't win. In Washington, their offensive line is awesome. Yeah, and they were confident. Good. Texas fans were confident in that matchup because Texas's D line has been one of the best in college football this year. But obviously, Washington fans felt good about their Joe Moore award-winning offensive line being able to hold up and look at the run game. They didn't because nobody runs against Texas, but in the passing game, which is what Washington clearly wanted to do on Monday night, they were able to hold up and their tackles two guys who are studs, the strength of that offensive line. They had their way with the Texas edge rushers. Texas could not get uh, consistent pressure against Washington. And we knew that was going to be a recipe for disaster. Yeah. I mean, it it really, it really, really was. And, you know, they they handled their business outside. They forced them up the field. Nobody nobody got any swim moves. Nobody ducked inside and made. And anytime they did get what looked like pressure, Penix just side sidestepped it inside of the pocket. Never really outside. They never forced him out of the pocket. Whatever he did was inside, and he kept his poise in there. He's just a six-year player. He's just a great player. Yeah, who played a great game on Monday. Here's uh, Steve Sarkeesian talking about the pressure. He was asked about this in the uh, post-game presser on Monday. 
Here is Coach Stark talking about the lack of pressure on Michael Penix Jr. Times we did create some pressure. We, we just couldn't get him on the ground, um, and that was probably the most frustrating part. You know, he was he was elusive in the pocket, uh, and, he, and he did a good job of, of avoiding the rush and then keeping his eyes. Uh, and then I thought they did a good job of, of taking advantage of some one-on-one matchups um, when they got him, and it just kind of felt like every time they, they threw it, and we were in pretty good coverage. They made the play, you know, and then that, that's a credit to them. You know, they're 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 a good offense and a good passing offense, especially. Uh, it showed. Um, we just couldn't get them on the ground. We couldn't generate enough pressure. Um, you know, uh, I, I thought our guys were fighting with the pass rush. You know, we, we couldn't we couldn't put enough pressure on the on the tackles. Quite frankly, to get a holding call to even get them off schedule. You know, they really played on schedule all night, and that makes it difficult. The times we did get him into some third longs, we had the ability to get off the field, um, but we just couldn't get him on the ground. You know, I thought there were some decent pressures in there. Uh, we just didn't get him on the ground. There was not enough decent pressures. That You were hoping and you were praying that that was going to be a part of the game plan, but it never really happened. It, it didn't happen. Michael Penix had plenty of time to throw the ball. He was going to get rid of the ball anyway quickly, and there was nobody in that secondary that could have covered any of those guys. It just It just... They had a better wide receiver core. They just did. I mean, they they were fantastic. They're like you said, they're the best throwing team for the last two years in the nation. There's a reason why you can throw it up to those guys. They're gonna out jump you. They're gonna they're gonna fight for the ball. And you've got to now figure out what you're gonna do in your secondary going into the SEC. So a lot of that stuff has to change. They have to get a lot better in the secondary. It's not like, oh, you need to tweak this and tweak that. No, they need to have a whole shitload of changes back there. That there's there's not a guy back there. There were, there were guys chasing around. I mean, even the healthy guys couldn't hold up. Even the guys that you thought were going to be a part of it, they couldn't handle those guys. They couldn't. And the tackles were superb. Those guys were really, really good at what they did. Texas has got to find edge rushers. You, we, the thing about this football team is we know, I, even though there are going to be some guys that are going to leave, we as fans understand what the Texas Longhorns need. So you know the coaches know exactly what they need to have some success now. Yep. I mean, and to continue going that trajectory going upward and not just staying still. There's some things that they they must do to get better at, or you're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna get in championship ball games when it really, really matters, and they're not gonna be able to get it done. Teams are just gonna be better at certain positions. Yeah. And that shouldn't happen now. I mean, now you've won a you've won a Big 12 championship, you're going into the SEC, you've made the final fours. Now you just go take care of the problems. And those are problems. A lot of those guys. That you that you're going to be bringing back some of them may get a little better but you need guys who are just flat out dogs now yeah well Where hopefully you're they got a couple off the edge right trey moore yeah. the transfer from utsa had 14 and a half sacks yeah this season for the roadrunners he's coming and then colin simmons a five-star one of the top recruits in the country in this recruiting class of 2024 he's coming as well so yeah their edge rusher abused Christian Jones. I mean, he would, and anybody he lined up, by the way, it was anybody he lined up over was going to have a problem with him. You're either going to have to grab him. I mean, he got, he beat Christian Jones inside. Then the next time Jones had a handful of just a handful of Jersey. And for the remainder of the time when he was on Jones, I mean, they could have called eight holding penalties. It was all about grabbing the Jersey. They could, he couldn't stop him. He couldn't stop his, he couldn't stop his move. It looked like the Christian Jones of two years ago. Yeah. You know? well, he's and, good. 
That, Braylon that, Trice is that guy's name. He's probably yeah. going to be a first-round pick. If he wasn't before Monday night, I yeah. think he is now because Christian Jones has had a solid season, and that's a guy who has NFL aspirations too with the year that he's put together. Now, he was never going to be a first- or second-round pick no. or anything, but he's a guy who uh, still has a good chance to hear his name called. He, well, he made him look like a journeyman. That's what he made him look like, a guy who is yeah. in his seventh or eighth year hoping to be a fourth- or fifth-round pick. That's what that kid made him look like. He did. And he had some he had some really nice technique moves on him that had had Christian Jones just stuck in mud. I mean, yeah, it just it just did. And he put a lot of pressure on Quinn Ewers. He was always in his face. And those last couple of plays, that whole right side, wow. When you have two guys coming at you, seemingly you're there, but they're really unblocked. That's a problem for the quarterback in your face. It's hard to throw the ball over the top, sideways, or whatever you whatever you can do. You're just not tall enough when guys are free. Right, and that hurt, and that hurt. The last drive hurt, and as I said, I don't know what Sark was going to call those four plays. I mean, I know he came back to his third receiver when he dumped it off to Blue, and he did luckily get out of bounds because if he's tackled in bounds, that's the game. So that's not a ball that he initially wanted to throw. He just had to come back to it. But in his mind, if he, you know, if a quarterback had a second chance, which you don't get many of those, he, in his mind, if he looked that over, he would have thrown that ball, sailed that ball near him but in either in the ground or over the top. He just happened to make a great play on catching the ball and get he actually caught that one and got out of bounds which was a really nice move to save them some time. But I just I don't know. Like I said, I've never been a part of a group that has practiced that. I've been in football a long time. I know you you practice scoring zone, but not the one at the when you got 12 seconds, 15 seconds and you've got three or four plays and guys are lined up at the goal line. I don't know what you do because if they get you in bounds, game's over with. Yeah, yeah, those last four plays, Texas got the ball all the way down to the 12-yard line. Now, you thought on the final play the ball should have been low into the pylon instead of up in the air. The kid made a great play, knocking the ball down. You know, yeah. that, that was just a great play. And I, that, I think if you're throwing it high, that's probably where it had to be. But you'd have to make a great catch, too. But And that's the guy you throw it to because that guy had made a bunch of great catches. It was a bad throw. It was a bad throw. Like it wasn't an uncatchable throw, right? And if uh, the DB doesn't make a great play, then AD Mitchell probably goes up and comes down with the ball, and we're talking about Texas playing Michigan in the national championship on Monday. That, and that right side would just got. Well, here's here's the final play, uh, and look, I, you could criticize Sark's play calling. Like you said, it is a weird spot for an offensive play caller. There, you know, it it, it does feel a little fitting that Texas's season ended with a red zone mishap because that has been their biggest issue. I know the secondary has been a big issue, but the biggest problem with Texas all season long was their inability to score touchdowns in the red area. So it yeah. does feel a little poetic that their season came to an end by not being able to score a touchdown in the red zone. But yeah, it's a weird spot. You can't get tackled in bounce. Obviously you can't run the ball at no. all. You've got to take shots to the end zone or shots to the sideline. And Washington you got no timeouts. Zero timeouts. No timeouts. Yeah, Washington clearly knows what you're trying to do, so they're going to do whatever they can to prevent you from being able to do that. Here's the uh, the very last play. Let me mute it here so we don't get in trouble with uh, YouTube for copyright. So there's the throw right there, and it's incomplete. So a couple of things here. You talked about the right side of the offensive line. Yeah, they just they get worked. Both guys, the right guard, DJ Campbell, and the right tackle, Christian Jones, got beat off the line. On your throwing arm, at your throwing arm. Immediately. I mean, look at this still shot right here. Like, ball is barely snapped, and both of those guys are basically pushing 
the Washington defensive lineman into Quinn Ewers. And then here's the throw. I mean, look how high this ball is. You can kind of see A.D. Mitchell on the left corner of your screen. Like, if the ball is on the numbers, if it's just a low-line drive, he's got inside positioning. Like, he's going to catch it, and there's nothing Elijah Jackson can do unless he literally interferes. And and there's some people who thought there should have been a P.I. called. I'm not one of them. But literally, unless he tackles Adonai Mitchell, if the throw is on the numbers, if it's a low-line drive, then A.D. Mitchell catches it. And Quinn Ewers is a Longhorn legend. Yeah, I mean, if if you had a timeout, if you if you saved a timeout, you'd have come and said, "We're throwing this ball in the end zone, just past the pylon. We don't want you. This is in the middle of the end zone here, where this ball eventually is. And and that kid is up and over the top already. So he knows that ball is coming high. If that ball, like you said, if that ball is down and you have time, and it's just into the end zone by the pylon, you got a real chance. You're right. Yeah, the ball doesn't need to be five yards deep into the no. end zone. You don't. You don't need to get that far. You just need to get past that pylon, and that's that's where the route should have been run. I think the route was kind of run in that area. Uh, and once again, if Quinn Ewers just throws it lower and more on a line instead of putting a little bit of air under it, then I don't think there's anything Washington can do in that spot. I think it's a touchdown, and Texas is kicking an extra point to get to the natty. But the throw was, you know, Quinn Ewers struggled early. Then he turned it on. I thought he was great in the second half. Uh, did a lot on the previous drive to get Texas into field goal range yes, to give him a chance. And then obviously did a lot. The perfect throw to Jay Witt. An amazing catch by Jay Witt to get Texas close. The gorgeous ball to Jaden Blue that he caught to get Texas all the way down to the 12-yard line. I thought Quinn was uh, pretty special in the second half until well, this it, final it, it, sequence. But this this throw, it's one that he and it's one that Longhorn fans are going to be thinking about for a long time because he missed it. Well, and, and he can't help but throw it high on that right side. He can't throw those those side arm angles that he's that he's accustomed to throwing at because he's got guys in his face. They're just going to bat that down. If he throws that, BK, that's not over the top like that with the yeah. with the brush in his face. If he throws a side arm at all, that ball is going to get blocked by those guys. They're right in his, on his arm. Yeah, it's it's yeah maybe maybe i i still think he could have thrown it lower though right like the well, arm yeah, angle I think he could could have got a, like i said if they got a timeout they're not going to the middle of the end zone he's not going that far into the end zone he's going to cut that off you're going to get it right past the end zone in the pylon and low because we know ad mitchell will go down there and get it anyway yeah i mean look at where this ball is it's a little blurry um not super easy to see but just look how high this thing is dude i mean it's over the all-state signage yes like it, it needs to be low. That ball should have barely gotten over this little chain thing. You're right. So it's just, yeah. I mean, I, people were critical of Sark for the play calling on those final four plays, and I, I, I feel like you, he, I think if you block that, that you, you like you said, you the the ball is going to go more on a line drive, and you're going to have an opportunity. He's, that guy's already beat. Yeah, but it's yeah. not beat up in the air, and that's not like that. It's not going to be be beat when it's up high like that. He just slapped it down which was a very nice play. He did a good job. Yep, and that, that was the same cornerback that uh, A.D. Mitchell scored his touchdown on earlier. Yes, on a, high, on a high ball. So a nice uh, – and that's the guy you're supposed to go after, right? Like, that's that's Washington's number two corner. I know Jabbar Muhammad, number one. That guy's a beast. He had a great game. That guy is a future Sunday player. Uh, so it was smart for Texas to avoid him on the biggest play of the game. They went after the right guy. A.D. Mitchell has been the touchdown machine for the Longhorns. Had 11 – this season, if you include the one that he had in the Sugar Bowl, uh, like it was, it was the perfect play. It's just, 
a game of inches, man. It's a game of inches. And that throw was a few inches too high from Quinn Ewers and it allowed Washington's DB to uh, make a great play on the yeah, ball. Yeah, I would have taken anything. I would have taken those two guys blocking those guys. I'd have back-shouldered that ball about two yards into the end zone. Yep. You know, that's that thing's in the middle of the end zone. That's too far. And that's yep. and those guys just didn't hold them out. They they barely put a glove on the two guys on the outside. And like you said, the, the tackle ended up pushing the guy towards them. The other guy just got beat. Whoever was inside the tackle just got beat, period. That guy yeah, was he, already there. DJ Campbell, the right guard on that play. And on the play before, I mean, they had to put one second back on the clock. Now, it was clear as day that there should have been one second put on the clock. But right. uh, on that third down play, the Texas O-line got beat. Quinn Ewers barely had any time, and he had to throw it away uh, to give Texas another chance on fourth down there. So, yeah, no, they were not at their they were not at their best. No, they couldn't uh, pass the pro. They, yeah. yeah, they ran block well. Obviously, Texas averaged more than six yards a carry, but uh, the uh, Washington defensive front, in terms of the pass rush, was able to win uh, a hell of a lot more than Texas's pass rush. No doubt, was able to win. Let's hear from Sark before we give some love to some of our phenomenal travel partners. Uh, here's Steve Sarkeesian in the post game talking about that uh, final four play sequence. Very end of the game. Uh, he was more of a check down on the play. Uh, we were looking for an opportunity for for JT or Jay Witt trying to create a one on one matchup for those guys to go high point it. Um, you know, naturally they, they they did a good job defending it, and Quinn did a good job of just getting the ball out to to um, to Blue um, with a chance in space, but had to get out of bounds. It's a it's a tricky situation in that you're out of timeouts, and so we have to be very careful that we don't complete a ball short of the goal line or pretty much the game's going to end at that point. So when you're forced to throw it into the end zone each time, it makes it difficult, especially when they're defending the end zone. Uh, so we were just trying to create some matchups um, with some different route combinations to to create some one-on-ones and to give, uh, give our playmakers a chance to make a play. And um, we just weren't quite able to do it, you know? So that, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, and that one where you're talking about just trying to get them out in space you don't have any space you got 12 yards to go to get to the end zone you what you're going to do is you're going you don't have any space and you don't have any time so if you thought that was a mismatch throwing the ball out to blue which i think still was a check down he had looked up the field first that came late that passed to him that's yeah. why the guy was so close to him it doesn't matter coach if you throw it to him and that guy's not there from where he is he's not making eight guys miss to get to the end zone and your time your time is gone Right. The game is it, over with. Sark said it at the start of that cut. He's yeah, like, I mean, we wanted to go to Mitchell and Sanders, and Quinn looked at both of them, and they were covered, so then he checked it down. Uh, risky play by Quinn. Yes. Uh, look, it's it's fine to have a check down option, whatever, but risky play, like you said, because if uh, Jaden Blue gets tackled and bounced there, then Texas' this season comes to an end. And God, I just, that's I, just, I don't know. Here. I guess you'll start practicing those kind of – you know, those kind of things that can happen to you. you. The thing is, a coach, you cover them all, but once again – 27, 28 years of me being around college football. I just, I've never practiced no timeouts. I've, I've practiced the two-minute drill going down the field or, or, or plays in the scoring zone, but I've never, I've never been at a practice where the whole defense was lined up on the, on the goal line and you had to find a way to throw it in there. I mean, you know, some guys would take it to the extreme of putting 11 guys back there on the line, you know, running around. You find a guy open and you got to throw it because that's the only way we can win the game. Yeah. I guess if you cover all the bases, that's what you'd have to. In this case, that's what you'd have had to done, and you couldn't have practiced it one time in your whole career. You know what I'm saying? That would have to be a part of what you do on Thursday when you do your two-minute drill and all that stuff. That would have had to be a part of it. 
So I guess covering all the bases, it still doesn't guarantee you can get a ball in there with all those people back right. without any timeouts. I just, yeah, you got to be a thing. You got, yeah, it is a weird. It, it was a weird series when people are saying those are bad calls, dude. You don't have any timeouts. The only call you have is has to go in the end zone, and right. you got lucky with one where a guy made a miss and got out of bounds. But if that's your first choice and you thought that guy was going to make him miss and get to the end zone, he wasn't getting to the end zone. Yeah, and you have like one fiftieth of your playbook at your disposal, right? Because right. normally in the red area, and you're right, like every coaching staff practices two minute drill. Like that's sure. how every coaching staff ends practices is or red state. zone. Yeah, yeah, they do that stuff. And uh, well, normally like it's said, like, I've never been to I've never been in one, and I got a guy who's pretty. That I, I coached around a guy who was pretty in Tom Coughlin and John Magovic that took care of everything when it came to stuff like. But I've never been to practice with that. Yeah, it's you know normally it's just like all right, let's pick up a few yards and get closer to the end zone, or let's try to get a first down, get closer to the end zone. It's right. not oh shit, like we we are twelve or thirteen yards away and we have to score on this very play. Uh, otherwise, we're in trouble and the game's over and our season is over. So, uh, big moment. Look, it was it was a miracle that Texas even had that opportunity, right? Like oh, and Washington was giving it to him. Well, I mean, they're running back when he went down. The, the reason Texas had a chance, and look, I, I, I would have taken it. I, w- I would have felt a little bad, but hey, you don't apologize for wins. No. And it's what Steve Miller says, take the money and run. Like, take the yes. win and run if you're Texas. The only reason the Longhorns had a realistic chance on that final drive was the fact that Dylan Johnson got hurt. Like, it gave Texas a free timeout and gave him an extra, you know, 35 seconds on that last drive to actually get into the scoring zone. And it's like, oh, shit, we just got a gift from the heavens above. And my God, maybe destiny is on our side. And, hey, we might be stealing a win here, but we'll absolutely take a win here. It just it was a minor miracle that Texas even had that spot. But then it's like it's right there for you. You got four plays from 12 or 13 yards out to get to a national championship. I think anybody would have signed up for that type of scenario before the season. And credit Washington. They made some great plays defensively. But it's just that that last play in particular, that one's that one's gonna sting because you know it felt like the play call was right, felt like Texas had exactly what it wanted, and Quinn Ewers played a whale of a second half up to that point. He just he just missed it. He just missed the throw, and that's that one stings. I, I think Quinn's coming back. I mean, we'll talk about that later in the show because obviously Xavier Worthy already announced that he's going off to the NFL. Yep. And uh, the deadline for that is January fifteenth. So over the next twelve days, I'm sure we'll hear a few more Longhorns put their name into the NFL pot. Uh, I don't think that's Quinn Ewers' last ever throw at Texas, but it might be. And shit, like that's that's a tough one to end on. And even if Quinn does come back, there's obviously no guarantee that Texas is playing in the CFP semifinal next season. Like that was the biggest throw of his Texas career. And once again, he didn't completely whiff. Like he, he gave his guy a chance, but if yeah. it was a better throw, uh, Texas wins that football game. Well, that offensive line whiffed. That was that was it that did. was a moment where you needed them to stand tall on the last play, guys. You got to stand tall. I don't. I mean, that was one of those times. Hey, if you got to grab them, grab them, grab them by the balls if you have to, but you can't let them get on your quarterback's arm. He's got to be able to throw the ball. You can't have it batted down. So if you're beat, you got to do whatever you can. But first of all, you can't be beat. That's the last play of the game, dude. That's it. You that's that's you practice. You get up. You sweat. You bleed. For that play right there, you cannot let that happen. You can't get yeah. beat as an offensive line there. You just can't. Yeah, and they got beat pretty quick, too, didn't they? I mean, that guy was on that right arm, especially the inside guy, BK. He was 
I'm, I'm, I, I got to be thinking he would like to have thrown that on a rope a little bit lower, but why, look how close this guy is on his second step. I mean, that's on that right arm. Both of yep. them, actually. The guy on the outside reaches over. You're right. And look, Quinn had to throw that off his back foot. I mean, maybe yeah. he could have stepped up a little bit in the pocket, but he's like, dude, I, I, I got to get rid of the ball. I can't end our season on a sack. I've got to give somebody a chance. And once yeah. again, he did. It just a little bit too high. Uh, someone texted in on the Coda text line, by the way, 512-222-9328 if you want to hit us up on the Coda text line, uh, saying that there should have been P.I., called on this play your thoughts on that buck no i didn't see it i i thought that i mean his left hand is just leaned on the back when he takes the right hand and swipes the ball across but his left hand is i mean his left hand is back there it's on his left shoulder but it's not doing anything it doesn't it doesn't do anything to him the right hand is fine everything else is what's fine he, he hit the ball hits his hand and he swipes it across he just can't make the catch because the hand comes across too quick yeah, I mean, there's, I guess, a tiny bit of contact before he gets hit. Like, the, the leg kind of goes into A.D. Mitchell's back. and They're not going to call that on the last play of a football game. He, he hits Unless the it's over. a Big 12 officiating crew. Yeah, yeah. If Kevin Moore's there, he's calling yes, it on Texas for that. sure. Yeah. But no, that, that, like, that should not have been called. Of no. course, I'm biased. I would have loved for that to have been called. And, hey, give Texas uh, an untimed down from the one-yard line. Like, okay, sign me up for that and bring in big Byron Murphy. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, big man touchdown again. Heisman pose. That's happening. Touchdown. Uh, that would have been great. Believe me, I, I would have loved for that to have been called. But in that spot, like, you, you can't call that. You shouldn't call that. No. Uh, Jackson made a great play. Like, I mean, that's able- just it's just unfortunate that they had no timeouts available. They had to use them all. They got the ball back. They got their chance. They were at the 13-yard line. It wasn't like they were at the 40 throwing Hail Marys. They got an opportunity. I just don't know what you like. I said, you haven't been around it. I don't know how, how you when you're practicing. What are the plays that you call to get over the top of guys? If you float the ball, you got eight guys back there that are going to knock that ball down or knock your receiver, knock his head off. So it they had the an perfect, opportunity. That's yeah, all. Was, that's all you could ask for. It was the perfect play call, man. Yeah, Sark was not perfect. This is not me absolving Sark for any of the blame for Monday night, but uh, like that in real time. Like while I was at the stadium before I saw the replay, I'm like, really? Like you're you're calling a fade route there with your season on the line, but that's that's not what it was. Like the matchup was there. You had the guy yes. you wanted against the guy on their side that you wanted to go after, and the right side of your O line couldn't hold up, and Quinn just just missed it by a tad, and uh, that's that's football sometimes. Yeah, I mean it was, and 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 all in all, you you know the things that you need to get better at, and. And now you're just now you're in a holding pattern to see who's coming back for you. But there are positions that you need to change out. I mean, change them out. I'm not, and and I'm not one for it because I've been a coach. I don't. I I I say you. You know, first thing people are saying, get new coaches, get that. Sark's not. It's gonna it's gonna take NFL type of guys like he has with the wide receiver coach. He's not just getting rid of his guys. They just won a Big Twelve championship. This is not wholesale change with your secondary coaches. It's just find better players. Yep. I yeah. mean, they recruited really good players that just, I don't know if they, they did just, they don't, they haven't progressed the way they should, or they weren't fitted for what you're trying to do because they weren't good back there. I said, you know, I mean, I, I didn't get called out, but I felt bad when I said the other day, I said, they're awful back there. And then <laughs> you said, they're not awful. I'm like, yeah, maybe that's kind of harsh. But after, after I, they're awful back there. That's not, they're not good back there. They're not. That's just a position that you need to continue to work at. 
Yeah. That's all I can say. You got to work at that because you're really good at a lot of other positions. You know, you got to keep strengthening your offensive line. You got to get better at pass pro. But I think this offensive line will be special next year. I thought three years into it, that group right there was going to be something. And that group was good at, at the run game. I mean, they had a Doak Walker candidate. And when he went down, they ran the ball. I don't think they gave it enough. They gave it enough time in this particular game. But this group, as a run group, offensive line, they came a long way. They yeah. come along and start call some plays that really were good for what what this offensive line was capable of doing. And all those guys are back. Hopefully, Jake Majors comes back again. But they're going to be good at the run game. They have good runners, you yep, know. They, they do, and, and that that shouldn't be a problem. They're going to have to fix the wide receiver precision. They're going to have to revamp that kind of stuff. But I, I'm thinking, you know, there are going to be some receivers that want to come here. They're they're coming here now. They're going to be guys yep. that want to play in this offense. Yeah. They're gonna. They're, if, if Jonathan Jonathan Brooks comes back, he's gonna be another guy. I don't know how you're gonna. If his knee is all right, that guy is a stud. This offensive line has some guys, but you're gonna have to fix that secondary, and you're gonna have to get some guys on the end of the line on defense that make a difference. Sure. All right. Well, before we continue that discussion, uh, because Steve Sarkeesian was asked about the future of Texas football and how the Longhorns can ensure that they can get back to a game like that next year and hopefully for years to come. Uh, let's give some love. We were in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. We were in New Orleans because of all of the logos you're seeing on your screen if you're watching on YouTube right now. And some of the companies we're about to talk about if you're listening on the app right now, we've got to give some shout-outs to some of our great Sugar Bowl travel partners. Buck. I want to thank the folks out at Lake Cliff Golf Course. We, we love going out there. We enjoy the golf course, but we enjoy the people even more. So a big shout-out to those folks becoming travel partners of ours. Leaf Landscaping, of course. Uh, thank you to Trey and the guys out there. Their landscape supply company is fantastic. One down south right by BK at Monterey Oaks, one up north. But if, you, if you're thinking about what should I plant now? We're getting towards the winter months. Should I put in trees? Should I go out there and hack up some of the oak trees that need that have limbs that have been that are half, half on and half off? Let them talk to you about everything. Roses, is this the right time? When should I cut back my roses? They know it all, and they've got two wonderful locations. I want to thank those folks. Of course, Cover 3, Cover 2, you know all about them. They are magnificent when it comes to great food. Well, we had some great food, except for me. I didn't eat as well as I should have over the course of the trip. I wish I had Cover 3 around because <laughs> at one time, one, my best meal was a blueberry muffin from Cherries. That's that's how I didn't get around. And I want yeah. to thank, th thank those folks. I want to thank Dr. Danny and Texas Orthopedics. If you're seeking that specialized patient-focused orthopedic care, they are the ones that you want to go to. They have uh, comprehensive surgical and non-surgical orthopedic care for children and adults, spinal care, sports medicine, trauma, joint replacement. They do it all for sure. For more information, go to TXOrtho.com. Thanks to those folks. Thanks to Sue Patrick. And they're going to have a lot of leftover T-shirts. So I, I got a feeling Jay's going to be calling on us. We may be doing we may be doing a remote to get rid of some of the T-shirts and that they have. But, boy, they sold an awful lot thanks to you people. Yep. And we had a, a couple of remotes here over the last month or so. And you come in droves over there and love the snow globe. Don't forget the snow globe is there, not just for, for the holiday season. That thing is cool anytime. They And they've got it all. They've got your volleyball gear. they got your Texas Longhorn gear. Hey, you still love the jerseys. The guys are in the jerseys. They still got a bunch of those available for you too. And yep. um, they've got sugar bowl leftovers. Get them. I'm going to, you know, I have to go by there again. Of course you do. I've got to get more sweatshirts to, to hand out. Uh, my, my my folks back in Pennsylvania love the Longhorn 
uh, hoodies and stuff. And there'll be some on sale over there. So go get those hoodies because it's going to start getting cold. Winter is here. That's right. Winter is here. Already is cold. What do you mean start getting cold? It is cold. But thanks to those travel partners, BK, and you've got a couple too. But thanks to those folks. We appreciate everything you did. I hope hopefully we did good by you because we spent a lot of time talking about you down in New Orleans and we'll spend even more time talking about you while we're back in Austin. Amen. Absolutely. Well said. Shout out to uh, all of our great Sugar Bowl travel partners and uh, shout out to those of you who support our great travel partners. You know, people always ask us, how can we support Texas Sports Unfiltered? Well, uh, you guys do a great job of that. We're over 7,000 subscribers. Thank you all very much. Keep consuming our content, but also support our sponsors. That's that's how you help us. Uh, we are a community here at TSU, and our sponsors are a huge part of our community. And look, the only reason we're able to do this stuff is because of our partners and sponsors. So uh, please continue to support them. We work with these people because we believe in, in what they do. Uh, sorry, sorry, my guy, Ashish, at 7-Eleven, but I'm going to have to start jumping on some dominoes now. Yeah. Before I started doing 7-Elevens, I was a dominoes guy, and we got a Domino's sponsor. We went to 7-Eleven. We went to one of Ashish's places last night. Yes. Because we were worried we were going to run By the way, they had, pizza. they had pizza in the oven ready to go. Come on. They yep. did. Yeah. I, I, I love it. Love, love the sponsors. Love what the folks have done for us and, and continue to do. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to our good our good friends over there at Covert B Caves, thank you because your ride was moving. That thing it was like a tank, <laughs> and it Beautiful. was it was great to have you. It's great to have you as partners. Great to have you as sponsors throughout the year. Dakota Text Line, everybody, you know yep. Jack Allen, everybody who's been a part of what we do. Thank you so very much. And 2024, we'll make it even better for you. And hopefully, you'll continue with us. Amen. Well said. How about this stat from our man CB? Washington is the first team to play 10 straight games decided by 10 points or less and win all of them in the D1 era of college football. Man, I mean, we talked about how many one-score games the Huskies played in in the regular year, right? They were 6-0 and in one-score games. Their previous three games before Monday had all been decided by three points or less. And I'm thinking, God, doesn't their luck have to run out at some yeah. point? Yeah, and they just didn't look jittery at all. They just looked like, hey – we got some we got some six-year players on this offense. We're just gonna do what we've done all year. We've escaped, but we've won. We've stayed undefeated. We'll find a way to win. And they do. I mean, they did. That's exactly what they did. Texas, on the other hand, came out jittery. And this Texas team, for as good as they are, and as good as they are in the defensive line, they can't play with 10 penalties. You can't play in games with 10 penalties. I don't care if the refs are against you. It, it just can't. Ten penalties is too much in a championship game. It's just yeah. too much. And Texas hasn't been the most disciplined team in college football, but uh, they averaged less than 10 penalties a game during the regular well, season. Right. It was a bad time to have one of your least disciplined games of the year. I'm with you on the Washington players not being super jittery. I thought the Washington offensive coaching staff got a little yes. nervous in the second half. with the Oh, yeah. Rub. I mean, they, they could have put that game away easily if they just kept throwing the ball. Now, I get it. You've got a lead. You want to run it to kill some clock, but – Dude, you couldn't run the ball. You couldn't run the ball. Keep scoring. Like, keep throwing it. You're going to move the chains, keep the clock going, and you're going to put more points on the board. They, every time they ran the football, I know Dylan Johnson had two touchdowns, but he averaged like two-something yards a carry. Oh, I was every waiting time, for him coming up limping because they hit him hard. That dude got hit hard all night. Yeah, like every time they ran, uh, handed it off to a running back, that was a gift for Texas. 
And in the second half, they got that 13-point lead, and then they had that nine-point lead with like three minutes left, and they just kept trying to run it. It's like, thank you. Thank you very much for giving us a chance here. Like, obviously, for Texas, we'd be talking about how exciting it was that we were able to come back and win that game. Yep. Dude, sports radio in Seattle would have been like, our offensive staff blew it. Why the hell did they keep running the football? They they let Texas get back in the game by trying to run. So well, they, want it, they want it so people aren't going to be too critical of their staff, I don't you think. You know, the guys that we didn't talk about, you know, we spent a damn month talking about this game and a lot of times doing it. And we focus so much on the wide receivers. You're, you're the guy in the pregame had talked about, be careful of this tight end. These tight ends are the sneaky guys for Washington. And in the end, in the fourth quarter, that kid at tight end, nobody could cover him. And Michael Penning said, I'll find him and dump it off for a first down to him. Nobody could cover anybody. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> Basically, nobody could cover him. And nobody could cover quarterback counter, which they outsmarted Texas. They and, the, and and the Longhorns were not that defensive line. I don't care what PK says. You were not expecting Michael Penix Jr. to run for two 12-yard runs with quarterback counter. I was thinking they're not going to run that guy up in – and especially up inside on quarterback run. Well, they did. They said, okay, Texas is not going to expect us to take Michael Penix Jr. and run him as a runner because he's not a runner. But when you don't get touched for eight of the 12 yards, I mean, they did. They did it twice, and those are huge plays. Yeah, well, look, uh, we, we did discuss that last week. You know, what what type of wrinkles could Washington have yeah. in their game plan? And that was one of them. Like, Michael Penix had negative 18 yards rushing on this season going into Monday night. Now, obviously, sack yardage is included there, so that's why it's negative. But he wasn't sacked more than 10 times during the regular year. Right. Just goes to show you that that was not a part of the UW offense in the season uh, that was one of the wrinkles that we talked about yes, it potentially was. being there. And it was there. Yeah, three big carries for Michael Penix Jr. And a couple of them were designed runs. I think one of them yes. was, you know, there was nobody open down the field, so we just took off and ran. That guy was a great runner at Indiana. Like, that's that's what he used to do. Did tear his ACL a couple of times, which I think that's a part of why he doesn't run it as much. And obviously, Washington's game plan is a little bit different. And hell, why would you run it when you could pick up 40, 50, 60, 70 oh, no, yards and throwing it as often as they did this year? Uh, but yeah, now that was uh, that was well done. That was, that, that was, as you said, the, design, the design runs really hurt because they just outsmarted you there. By the way, Quinn Ewers had some nice runs too. I thought he did a good job. I think yeah. he left the pocket. I thought he played pretty well. I thought he left the pocket when he needed to. You know, he felt a little pressure and he said, hey, there's eight yards right there. I'm going to go get it. I'll slide. I think he did a good job in that too. There, there weren't a lot of bad things. I just I just think Sark, as he does, will abandon the run. He'll eventually abandon the run, and he did. And he and, and it was early in the game where I thought that's what he should have really established the run because those two kids were running, and that group was blocking for the run. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. All right, let's uh, – I teased it, so I feel like we should talk about it, the future of Texas football. And we'll get back into Monday night's game, and obviously we'll have plenty of conversations about the Longhorns uh, over the next few months as now we begin the countdown to the 2024 season, which sucks. I was hoping we had another week before we had to start uh, shifting our attention. Oh, what a great season. This wasn't a good there. season. This was a great season by winning yeah. the Big 12 championship. I know it seems anticlimactic, but, dude, that was a, that was a fabulous season. This group has been under an awful lot of pressure from the day that they lost, you know, to Oklahoma. There were there were times when you were thinking, oh, no, if they lost Oklahoma, there's got to be another loss somewhere. They're not going to run the table from this point. But this group kind of ran the table to a Big 12 championship. 
and they didn't just walk into the Big 12 championship. They took it. They yeah. they took they everything that they wanted to as their number one goal. They did. They took the championship. It wasn't given to them. wasn't handed to them. They had to win those games without their starting quarterback for two games. So other guys had to step it up. Uh, and, and then you had an opportunity to play for a national championship, and it just wasn't there. The, the, the moment was too big for a few of them. You know what I'm saying? For a few of those guys, the moment was too big. Or, by the way, the other team was pretty talented, and they just had better players at certain positions, at skilled positions. Yeah, look, it's unequivocally the best season of Texas Longhorn football since 2009. Like, yeah. there's, there's no doubt about that. It was a massive step in the right direction yeah what could have been is what everybody is thinking sure no it's 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 frustrating because it it felt like texas had as good of a chance as any of the four teams in the cfp to win it all but look i i left monday night like the matchup of somebody else besides this group because that's all we talked about and that's the thing that that did kill them right yeah look i mean i i left monday night's game thinking that washington was the better team like sure. the, loss, the losses that hurt me the most, and this is not a, oh, I'm not reeling from Monday. I am, I'm reeling and I'm hurting and I'm depressed and I'm sports sad. You're not going like, to cry though, are you? You're not going to. Anybody else. Do you need no, a not, snot rag? No, no, I'm not going to cry like uh, intern Mason did <laughs> after the game on Monday. The waterworks were out, but I won't criticize somebody too much for crying over a loss like that. And it's the end of a year and uh, look, Texas was, 12 yards away from being able to play for a national championship. So I get people being sad and upset and I'm sad and upset, but uh, the the losses that hurt me the most are the losses where I feel like my team was the better team and they didn't win. Cause you get a mystery hand, come in and steal your cell phone on the YouTubes. That was my wife. There you go. Good morning, Joyce. Uh, The losses that hurt me the most as a sports fan or yeah, the losses where I feel like my team was the better team. And we didn't get the job done. Like, I think back to the NCAA tournament and, and Texas basketball's loss to Miami. Like, I still I still reel over that one because Texas was better than Miami. Uh, the refs just let them shoot 50,000 free throws in the second right. half. Like, that game felt like it was taken from me. If Texas won on Monday, it would have been a miracle. It would have been a miracle. Washington was the better football team on that night. Maybe if they played 10 times, Texas wins four of them. Hell, maybe Texas wins five of them. I don't know. Maybe Texas wins six. But on Monday night, Washington was the better team. Yeah, so I don't. I don't feel wrong. Like we we've got the two undefeated teams playing for a national championship on Monday. Yeah, they Texas, got it right. Texas was close. They were great. Texas probably the third best team in the country this year, and they beat the fourth best team in the country. So I feel pretty confident in saying you could put Texas right there at number three. But the top two seeds, the two undefeated teams, uh, those are the teams that took care of their business on Monday. And as much as that one sucks, it's like, I I feel like the better side won. Doesn't make it much easier, but I feel like the better side got the W. By the way, the Michigan Wolverines are going to run, run, and run. They are not, if if, if they average six a clip, they're not going to stop running. They're yeah. not throwing the ball down a field against that Washington defense. It'll be a good game, but Michigan is not going to give up. They're not going to say, okay, we'll run a couple here, but we need to pass the ball because we need to be in it. No. They're going to run it, and they're going to keep running it. And if you don't stop it, guess what? It's going to be run again. Well, the difference is Michigan has a secondary that can cover people. Yeah. yeah, They can run it, but like Texas didn't lose because they didn't run the ball enough. Texas lost because they couldn't cover people, and they had two bad And everybody knew that going into the game. Yeah, like that's, like uh, you know, that's that's why the Longhorns came up short on on Monday. Their, Their biggest weakness proved to be their biggest weakness uh, against the number one passing offense 
in the nation. How's yeah, it's a, a, a very fun and exciting season. Yep. It ends with a Big 12 championship and a Final Four. I mean, I don't I, – the only thing you can do is be playing this week. That would have made it – and and by the way, and if they didn't get it done this week, you'd be disappointed the same way too. It, it would have hurt just as bad. But to get to where they got this year, I think they did a lot of really, really good things. They proved a lot of a, a, a lot of people wrong. I just thought that – I hated to see the jitters in the playoff game. I, I wanted to see a team that looked very confident, you know, and I did. It was the other group. It was it was guys on the other side that said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna chuck this ball at you. We know where your weakness is, and we're gonna get after it." And they did. They did. They did yep. what they were supposed to. They took their best player at quarterback, and the, the things that he did best and his receivers did best, they attacked it. Hey, and it helps like to said, have they, a six, and they ran it too much. It helps to have a six year player at the most important position on the field. Yes, like that's why you like to see Quinn Ewers come back again. I, I'd, well, I'd like to see Quinn come back for what four more years, because then he then he'd be like Michael Penix. Like it helps that that Washington team has a ton of experience, and experience matters. And yeah, those guys uh, were cool, calm, and collected pretty much for sixty minutes the other night. All right. They had to do it all year. They're undefeated, and it goes past this year. Yeah, yeah, they done. were eleven win team last year, uh, and what are they now? Fourteen and zero this wow. year. One went away from uh, a national title. So you tip your cap. That is a damn good Washington team. Uh, they're going to lose a lot after this year, and obviously they're making the move to the Big Ten. So life's uh, going to get tougher for them. But, hey, they don't care about that. They're, they're in it this no. year. They're 60 minutes away from a natty, and uh, they, they've they had a heck of a year. Year two for Kalen DeBoer. Impressive. Yeah, and, and, and for Texas, some of the guys that are leaving BK, you know, we said Xavier Worthy gone. Yeah, well, let's hear from Sark here because Sark in the postgame – uh, was asked about the future of Texas football, right? Like, how, how do you ensure that your team can get back in this spot in the future? Here's Coach Sark. Well, I, I think that we have to make sure that um, this doesn't just happen, right? It took 12 months of hard work. Um, you know, we have to we have to make sure that, that complacency doesn't set in. we got to be mindful of that. And then we go right back to the foundation of building the team, like I said, in, in those things that I discussed, whether it was winter conditioning, spring ball, summer workouts, training camp, culture Wednesdays, all the things that we do, um, make sure that we still handle our business in the classroom, make sure that we, we still handle our business uh, in, in, in our community, um, because I think that that ultimately, you know, you have to rebuild the character each year of your team. And... Um, we have to be mindful that it doesn't just happen. You have to, it takes hard work, and um, I think that, that there's a lot of lessons to be learned. That the value of that hard work that we put in is the reason that we're in this position. So we got to have to get right back to it again. Absolutely, nothing changes for them. It doesn't. Now that you got this far, you've won a championship, you played in a in a Final Four. You don't just say, "Okay, we're pat, we're good." It doesn't work that way. They have to keep strengthening what they do and what they do best. You know, as you said, these Wednesdays when they have these things where they talk about life skills and away from football, they have to continue everything that they've done because it's worked. It really has. It's worked. You got you got to the your main goal was to win the Big 12 championship. You got there. So now you're just strengthening what you're doing, strengthening your foundation. Now, you don't slow up. You know, you don't stop with the foundation. You don't break it down. Just keep building it. Well, I'm glad Sark used the word complacency there because that's exactly what this last coaching staff got after the last time sure. Texas played in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, think about it, right? Uh, last time Texas played in the Sugar Bowl, they beat Georgia. 
You had Sam Ellinger on the podium during the post-game trophy presentation saying that we're back. And Texas had that mindset and attitude throughout the entirety of the next offseason. And then the Longhorns, instead of actually being back, they took a step back and resorted back to where they had been for yes. the previous decade. So uh, Tom Herman and his guys, they they took their foot off the gas a little bit. Steve Sarkeesian and his guys cannot do that. No. They've got uh, to I, make sure, like you said, they've got to do what they've been doing because we know it works. Yes. We know it works. What, what's happened over the last 12 months, it led you to your first conference championships in 2009, led you to your first ever college football playoff appearance. You know what you do can work. And now you've got the blueprint for what you have to do to get back in this spot. They've got to have that same mentality and that same work ethic that they've had over the last 12 months, over the next 12 months, to be in a similar spot next season. Yeah, yeah. You just got to build on what you've done. You, know, you just can't you can't sit around and, and say it's going to happen. No, they're going to, once again, you have to work at, you know, what they do bad. They can recruit. They're going to have to continue to work at that. They can't say, well, everybody wants to come here. We're the Big 12 champs on the way out. We're going to the SEC. We're in the Final Four. They're just going to come. No, you got to hit the ground running after your recruits now. You got a February signing day. You still got the portal to work out. You got to work these NIL deals to make sure that your guys that are already here are staying, that they're not going because people are going to try to poach some of your players too. I mean, this team's had some good players on it, but there's a bunch of good players that are leaving. So you've got to replace those guys and you've got to coach them and you have to make them better. Can't just bring them here got to continue to have those guys progress as players they can't they can't just stay the same they've got a, they've got a number of guys who kind of just stayed the same uh through i don't know if it's coaching or their own deal but they've got guys that have just remained the same as what you saw two years ago those guys have to get better or you have to get better players that's just the way it is they, yeah yeah i mean you know, I, I this staff has done an awesome job developing talent an awesome job developing talent and that's why i have confidence that this is not a one-off what happened in 2023. Uh, Texas is actually developing its kids. They're recruiting well, but they've always recruited pretty well. They're evaluating well. Well, I feel like they usually do evaluate decently sure. well, but they're developing talent. That's the big thing. Now, to your final point, you're right. There are certain areas on the team where it feels like the development wasn't there enough, <clears throat> secondary. Uh, so if they can get that fixed, then they're going to be fine. Everywhere else, I feel really good about development, but you know, I, I don't expect, and you brought this up earlier, Buck, I, I don't think Sark's going to make any changes to his coaching staff. But Terry Joseph and Blake Gideon, who are the guys who are in charge of the secondary, yes, like, that's the one position group that did not develop as quickly no. as every other position group did, right? Quinn Ewers has gotten significantly better. The running yes. backs have gotten better. The receiver, the o everywhere else on the field has gotten better since last year to this year or over the course of last year to this year. Secondary, not so much. I'm not advocating for people to get fired. I'm just saying those guys need to do better. They've recruited well. They're bringing in that talent that you're talking about, and that's yes. great. But obviously, those two coaches, and PK's a part of this too as the defensive coordinator, they have to find a way to bring those guys up to speed with the rest of the team because they were uh, an anchor on the rest of this boat this year. Were they hurt in that, in that game? And they, they, They've hurt throughout the year. They've been able to sustain because that defensive front has really helped them out with sacks and pressures and everything else. They're going to have to find edge rushers. They're going to have to get after it. Even if they got one coming, they need to find two more. They're going to have to get better. You know, you lost your good – your linebacker's gone. I hope David Bender comes back. I watched him get better over the last two years. That's a, that's a dude 
that through his hard work or was it Coach Choate that was now gone? Yeah. Yo. Uh, I mean, I, I like to see him come back. I mean, he's a he's a big old stud that played pretty well at the end of the year. He's gotten better. There's some guys that have really gotten better. He's one of those guys that I think have gotten better. I hope uh, Bar- I hope Sorrell's going. I hope he comes back. I think he can. Get, there's another year under his belt that he can get better in the way he plays because they they got after him on 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 um, on Monday night. They got after him. He he did not he did not make an impact and he needed to in that particular game. So if it, it takes him another year uh, and maybe raises his stock a little bit, should come back. Should mm-hmm. come back. I mean there there are some guys that that can to, can use it. Are, are there others we know that aren't going to come back? I was hoping Collins would come back. And as much as I said, I haven't seen enough from him in years. There's a guy that give me give me another year with that. Give me another year with that guy. Let me get on his ass just a little bit more. Maybe I mean maybe with that body and maybe that that heart and everything will all come together. But he's another guy that probably unless he just doesn't want to play football anymore, that probably needs to come back to this university if he has the ability to come back. Yeah, another he year does. He does have the ability to come well, back. He probably should come back. Yeah, and that's uh, what the discussion is going to be over the next sure. twelve days. Once again, the deadline to declare for the NFL draft is January fifteenth. So. It's not like we're going to have to wait months to try to no. determine if Texas is going to have most of its roster back next year or if they're going to have a bunch of guys that they are going to have to replace. Uh, one guy already made his announcement. That was Xavier Worthy. Uh, that happened yesterday. He had that a, was expected. Yeah, and he, he shouldn't have come back. Would I have loved for him to come back? Of course. But that guy's going to be a first-round pick more than likely in April, and he's done a lot. I hate that his Texas career ended with a disappointing night. Uh, I don't know if he was banged up on Monday. There were reports that maybe he was. Uh, he clearly wasn't 100% because of what happened in the Big 12 championship. But Xavier Worthy, tremendous career for Texas. But yeah, now there, there are going to be a few more. Some are obvious, some not so obvious. There might be a surprise in there too of guys who announced that they are taking their talents to the next level. Uh, but we'll see over the next 12 days yeah. what Texas has to do. Well, I, they did a hell of a job of keeping Keelan Robinson's injury under wraps. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm like, what? The guy's out there with a club foot on his arm. What yeah, that was weird. Arm? What right. in the hell was that? And I, why I did they keep him back there? I mean, what was it? That was the only time they tried it. I thought it was interesting because Texas got the ball first to start the game. So Texas had its kickoff return team on the field for the first play of the game. And Keelan Robinson wasn't back there. It was like, what? Like it was Jaden Blue and Savion Red as the two deep men, and they were okay. I was all right. Yeah, and, and that was fine. But it's still a surprise with how good Keelan's sure it been. It's like what what is he doing on the sideline here? And then yeah, the first kickoff of the second half, after Washington scores its touchdown, you see Keelan Robinson back there with the like a giant foot cast. I felt like there were going to be a bunch of third graders going over there signing it with the sharpie. <laughs> I'm like, he first of all, he fielded it on a bounce and bobbled it around I'm like. Dude, I'm surprised he even caught the damn thing. That thing, there was no fingers sticking out. It was just a big round ball. I've seen linebackers do that. Like Not a one hit. Have, but people have to catch the ball. How do you even put him back there? I'm like, he's not going to outrun him. He has to, you know, in order to run, you've got to get that arm going up. And he couldn't move. That thing was huge. It's like a big piece of cement at the end of his hand. Uh, Who the hell did he talk into going back there? I was like, uh, really? Uh, you know, I'm sure they practiced. And he I, I, them all. I, I guess so. Right. Like I, I'd like to give this coaching staff the benefit of the doubt that if uh, Keelan Robinson wasn't catching like 99% of those kickoffs at practice, then they wouldn't have thrown him 
out there. In, I, thought in the bat, I thought maybe it batted back like a t like pickleball or something. Yeah, no, that, that thing ball. was huge. It wasn't like a little cast. I like if he's got a sore wrist, that's different. This guy, he was in a broken leg cast. Yeah, <laughs> was that? Like his, his last game at Texas, maybe it was like, hey, we want to get him out there. Maybe their thought was like, okay, as long as he catches the ball, like he's still Keelan Robinson. Like he he still has his legs about him. He could still make guys you miss. You still have to swing your arms. What was he going to do? Fend them off with that that club? Why not? Oh my god! I think he would have been able to run fine. The problem is he just didn't catch it cleanly. He did pick it up and brought it out to the twenty, so it wasn't a total disaster like it could have been. And my guess is like Steve Sarkeesian and Jeff Banks were thinking, hey, Jaden Blue had a couple of nice returns in the first half, but he's our backup return man. Like, let's let's see if we can get our starter out there, and we'll see if we can break off a big one to start the third quarter and whatever. But it it, it didn't work. It and that was, was too big. That thing was like my computer face screen right here. It was huge. It was a bad, was thinking, bad you know, omen. You know when a guy has a broken hand or something, you see his little fingers dangling out? This thing was clubbed up and just no thumb, no nothing. I mean, yeah. that's too hard to catch and run. It's too hard to run with. You got to maneuver around. He's got to make some guys miss unless he was just going to get to him and then club him across the helmet with it. I think he could run fine with that thing. He just, he, he dropped it. He couldn't catch it cleanly. And when the ball hits the turf like that, it kind of makes the whole play out of whack. So, man. Uh, yeah. And that was a bad omen because, well, that was a fumble. Texas obviously recovered it. But then on the first play of that offensive series, Texas fumbled it again. And this one, they did not recover. That was C.J. Baxter on the first offensive play from scrimmage for the Horns in quarter number three. Young guys were jittery. And that was it. Like, that's that three-drive sequence to start the second half is really what killed Texas. Like, you said it. They were jittery out the gates in the first half, but they were tied. They had that beautiful 10-play, 72-yard drive that lasted only 70 seconds to yep. close out the first half. And it's 21-21, and I'm thinking, we did not play well. Like, they were the better team in that half, yes. and we're tied right now. Like, we are in this thing, and okay, here we go. We've been a strong second-half team at times this year. Like, let's turn it on. We're and you were fine. surprised that their coaching staff took a knee and said, hey, oh. listen, you were thinking, oh, my God, they have 15 seconds. They're going to throw it into the end zone. Yeah, Washington had the ball at their own uh, 25 after a touchback with 17 seconds left. And you were thinking, no, I'm thinking, no, they're going to take this to the house. They're done. And I'm if I'm Kalen DeBoer there, yeah, I'm I'm sending everybody on go. <laughs> Just uh, throwing it up for grabs. All nine routes right there. Send everybody deep and uh, force Texas's secondary to make a play. Wow. And if I'm if I'm Pete Kwiatkowski, I'm saying tackle their receivers. It's only 15 yards in college. If they take a shot here and you're beat, just tackle those MFers, dude. Uh, but well, yeah, Washington, they, they did the sensible thing that most coaches would have yes. done. They took the knee. Uh, but yeah, Texas right there at halftime. It's the start of the third quarter, and really it lasted throughout all of the third quarter the third and quarter, into the yes. fourth quarter. I mean, Texas, here's the drive summary for the Longhorns to begin the second half. Fumble, punt, fumble. And it goes from 21-21 to 34-21, and it probably could have been worse Yes, 34-21. Like, I'll credit the Texas defense for as much as we've criticized them throughout the first hour and 23 minutes of today's show. They stepped up after the C.J. Baxter fumble deep in Texas territory. They forced Washington to a field goal, which kind of kept the Longhorns in the game. And then Texas, 
you know, forced another field goal on the drive after that. And then Texas forced a punt on the drive after that. It's like this defense, for as bad as it was for most of the game, they were at least timely enough to keep the Longhorns in it in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, when the offense just couldn't stop turning the freaking football over. And you had, yeah, fumble, the punt. I think on that punt is where you had that Jaden Blue drop. So you basically had your running back saying, I, I don't want to hold on to the football right now. Right. And and that is what really killed Texas. Cause and I thought that was going to be a score. I, I The guy had stumbled behind him a little bit. And if he'd have caught that in stride, which he butterfingered that thing, if he catches that ball in stride, gets his head around the right way, that guy's not going to catch him who stumbled behind him. He's gone down the sideline. Nobody's catching that dude. Yeah, so it was just uh, – it was rough. It was a rough three-drive sequence. And, look, you can point to the last four plays when Texas had a chance. You could say that cost them the game. Uh, you could say the penalties cost them the game. It was obviously a combination. It's never just one thing. Dude, you can't determines. give two fumbles. Your, your backs can't fumble twice yeah. in the game. Two fumbles like that in the no. second half against a team as good as that. Uh, a problem. A problem, a problem, a problem. And, yeah, when you lose by six points – uh, it's easy to uh, look at the turnovers like that. And Texas just was shut out in the third quarter, and they kept giving the ball back to a really, really good Washington offense. So Yeah, but at halftime, when I saw it, man, they were averaging about six yards a clip in the run game. I'm like, dude, you got to. They tried. They ran it on the first play, and they fumbled. Yeah, but you can That's still, you can and still run. And they did, and the other running back fumbled. And then they were down by 13 points, and you can't run it that much when you're down by 13 points. They've got to get the that. thing. They've got, they, I mean, in the beginning of the game, just even more so run it. Yeah, yes, at the beginning of the game. Like, I'm with you on that, and I mentioned that earlier. Like, the opening script, I'm cool with Sark thinking he could throw it against the 125th best secondary in the nation. But early on, yeah, it was clear that the Washington run defense wasn't great, and it was clear that the Texas O-line was creating some holes on the ground he, he should have adjusted that but in the second half like i just i'm not i can't be that critical of sark's play calling uh because like they they kept fumbling he gave it to the running backs and they fumbled it twice yeah and then you got down fumbles. by 13 and then obviously you were down by nine with three minutes left like you sure as hell can't run it oh there. no he can't run it then no they so, got the ball back they they did everything they could that that four play sequences i just as i said i don't know what you do yeah i, I, I don't know how you Except for you got to protect the quarterback. You got to for four plays. Your your offensive line can't let guys loose, and they didn't do anything. They didn't twist. They didn't stunt. They just came dead at them. Yep. Yeah. You know, awesome. they didn't bring anybody from the linebacker area. They came right at them. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't twist and stunt enough defensively. I thought Austin with uh, the dumbest comment of the day. Why don't we just fire the whole staff and give up football? Go be commentators for the Aggies or sooner. Stop ragging on UT. Uh, dude, we, we've talked about how this is Texas's best football season in 15 years, and we feel They're like the awesome. Longhorns have a really good shot to be back. I thought, I thought we said year. that they won the Big 12 championship. It's been a great yeah. football season. We're yeah. still trying to break down the game there, Aggie. So, yeah, I don't I don't know what to tell you, Austin Bowie. We got a high school, a whole high school talking shit to us this morning, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. now, look, we, we're proud of this season. It was a tremendous season. We literally said we don't expect and we're not advocating for any changes to nope. be made on this coaching staff. So, uh, hey, everyone copes differently. Austin's hurting. He's taking out his frustrations on us. Uh, that's okay. Uh, we had our intern cry in the stands on, on Monday. Everybody Austin, copes. You just worry about the Bowie High School team and see how they will do next year. Don't worry about this. Everybody yeah. copes a little differently. Yeah. And, Kate, we got a couple Washington fans here. Tip of the cap. Oh, they were, by the way, how, how cool are those, those fans? 
Saw them at the casino. Good fans. Yeah, they uh, look. The Superdome was probably seventy to seventy-five percent Texas fans, but the UW fans who showed up were loud. Oh yeah, they they made their presence felt out there at the Superdome. They spent so, their time around us a lot too in our broadcast, which we appreciated too. Good, good fan base, and they haven't won a title since what ninety-one. It's been a long time for them, and uh, yeah, no, they 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 uh, were happy to be there and. They showed up and showed out, and yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of respect for obviously the Washington football program and what Kalen DeBoer has put together there in just two seasons. But uh, yeah, now that fan base uh, they made some noise inside the Caesars Superdome on Monday. They were everywhere night. in New Orleans. Yes, absolutely, and we got a Michigan fan here. Go Blue! Have fun getting your teeth kicked in for the next five years in the SEC. Yeah, thank you very much for that one. Cheaters. Yeah, go go Washington cheaters uh <laughs> all right let's uh before we get into xavier worthy we got to talk a little bit more about x leaving and really how texas is going to figure out its wide receiver position because i don't think x is the only longhorn receiver who is Ooh. uh taking his talents to the nfl uh over the next couple of days let's give some more love to some more of our great sponsors Buck. i'll tell you who i missed i missed my my chair i'm back in my chair again been in some, you know, I was in the plantation bed there for a couple of days, which was fine. It didn't engulf me. I had a little bit of support there. And and thank you to the spot we were at. Thank you for getting all that stuff all lined up. That was that was interesting. That was an interesting couple of days. You know, we were in a, in a, a house that was built in the 1800s. Mm. And man, that they had everything that you wanted to at this place. They had everything all fixed up for you, ready to go. And it was in a tough area. But the house was clean and 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 everything. But let me just say, I missed my I my I missed my chair. I missed sitting in my chair. And the folks that relaxed the back, they know I missed it because my back was humming this morning to get in this chair. Got in this chair early and just started sitting in it, BK, just because I know how comfortable the chairs are. I relaxed the back for my thoracic part of my back. If you got a bad lumbar area, you've got bad shoulders. If you've got a bad thoracic back, you got to go see our good friends over at Relax the Back with the two stores. One at the Hill Country Galleria across from the Whole Foods and one in Austin at the Gateway Shopping Center across from the Container Store. Dudes and dudesses live pain-free like the buck at Relax the Back. Yes, dudesses. Dudettes. What is a dudess? Dudess. It's female dude. I thought it was dudettes with a T, not with... No, not, not dudettes. Dudesses. The dudesses. All of them. Sure all the dudesses. That? Like over at the camp there. There were some dudesses there. Like transgender people? No, there was there was actually women at the camp. Mm. One who answered the wooden door to the tent. Yeah, that's awesome. How's that possible? There was a second story in there. They didn't let you in, but they had a whole flight of stairs, and they had a giant media room on the second floor there. That's what yeah, they how do. did they do that? I don't know. How do they have know. a parking garage there? How do they have all that money for fireworks? They were setting off fireworks the whole freaking time we were there. No, it was ammo. And how do they have all that money for the ammunition? You spend your money on food or maybe a house, you jabronis. <laughs> what are you doing buying fireworks and ammunition instead? Oh, there were tons of that now. Incredible. All right. Yeah, shout out to uh, all of our great travel partners. Altstat Beer. I'm rocking the Altstat Brewery hat today. Uh, we, we, I'm muting you while your wife talks to you. Uh, Altstadt beer. We had some with us at our Airbnb. We took it with us to New Orleans because it's the best beer. I can't leave home without it. It's like I I, I check for my phone, my wallet, my keys, and Altstadt beer, and that's when I know that I am uh, I'm going to be 
set up for success. Altstadt, the best beer that you can find. Uh, if you're coping a little bit, you need a great beer to get you through these tough times. Altstadt beer is that beer. You can find it at HEB, Specs, Twin Liquors, Total Wine, TimeWise. Wherever you go to get your six-packs, you can find Altstadt. It's brewed in Fredericksburg, so every time you're drinking Altstadt, you are supporting local business. Most importantly, the taste is absolutely there. They've got a bunch of different brews, something for every beer drinker out there, but they all taste great, guys. One sip, and you won't go back to the other beers you have been drinking in the past. It's Altstadt beer, no impurities, no regrets. And a shout out to Hayes City Store. Oh, yes. As well. You talk about places that we absolutely love. Down south in Driftwood, Hayes City Store and Ice House. They've been whipping up those phenomenal burgers for a long, long time. The enchiladas, the chicken fried steak, an extensive menu, 40 beers on tap. They've got some old staff beer down there at Hayes City Store as well. 40 beers on tap, giant TVs, the massive outdoor patio. They've got live music on weekends. Great vibes all the time. I don't I don't live anywhere close to Driftwood, but I go down there because the place is so awesome. Uh, obviously, if you live close, go there. If you don't, I'm telling you, it is worth the trek. Make sure you check out uh, the Tyndall's new spot as well. It's called Taste on Main right there in downtown Buda. Phenomenal steaks and seafood. They've got the extensive cocktail menu. Gorgeous inside area, but also a beautiful outdoor patio as well. Happy hour seven days a week. Another place. If you live down south, go see them. If you don't live down south, go see them. It's uh, it's a fantastic dining experience at Taste on Main. Shout out to uh, them for being a big part of our New Orleans coverage as well. Yes, indeed, brother. That thank you for all of those travel sponsors. We needed those folks, and they they came through. And that was uh, quite a time in New Orleans. It really, really was. It was uh, that is a. That is a wonderful town. You guys had plenty of food. You you hit some of the spots. I did have Trey take me down to Bourbon Street on the day after or New Year's morning. Wow. You went to Bourbon Street? Yeah, we drove through it. We just wanted to see. And they had oh, they let, let me tell you something. They have they have a cleanup crew that I asked the guy, I said, Well, what is this? Every night you gotta do this? He said twice a day. Oh. Twice dude. a day. Street sweeping? Oh, dude, and there's they had a street sweeper at our place at four o'clock in the morning trying to get through that road. They don't play around. They have to clean up. They have to clean up the streets because they got to get the people in and out. And if you're there, they come through with a hose crew. If you're laying in a corner like they do down here on Sixth Street, you get hosed down. <laughs> Did you see that happen? Yeah, I saw him hose down a guy laying in a corner. And I don't know if it was his daily bath or that's what he did. But it was cold in the morning, man. That's not a good time to get that. Get your clothes all wet, but he, he never got up from the night before. Free shower. Oh, they don't go over to you and start telling you to move. They just start hosing. Yeah, man. Yeah, there's no cleaning up that city. They could try all they want. But <laughs> what a place. That place is as grimy as it gets. Now, wow. hey, you, you can hit up our guy Jose Moore for more clean LLC. There you go. If you need somewhere in Central Texas clean, they go from Waco to San Antonio. Pressure washing, uh, construction, job site cleanup, erosion control. They do all of it. MoreCleanTexas.com is the website. More with two O's. MoreCleanTexas.com is the website. Uh, Jose, a great dude. Actually, a high school football teammate of our man, Double R, Rodney Rodriguez. Yes, sir. Back in Lockhart High back in the day. Uh, yeah. I Look, they do a great job. Love Jose. Love the team at More Clean. Even they couldn't clean up New Orleans. They couldn't do it. They couldn't get no. New Orleans clean yeah, enough. That, that place is impossible. Uh, it's just, it is what it is. I, I love it there. Don't get me wrong, but place is nasty. 
And Manning's, how cool was Manning's? Manning's was something special now. Great spot. Yep, yep, great spot. We were there uh, both Sunday and Monday, thanks to them for hosting us. Thanks to everybody who came out and see, uh, to see us on both of those days. Had a uh, phenomenal time. Thanks to you and your wonderful drops that you dropped during the course of being at Manning's. Oh, should we tell that story again? Oh, that. You have to tell that, yes, for sure. Mm. Our, our Monday, mo- our, our Tuesday morning crowd, Wednesday morning crowd needs that. It's, you know, it's going to take me like five days to figure out which day it really is. Yeah. It is Wednesday, correct? It is Wednesday. Thank okay. God it is, by the way, because if, if this was a Monday and we had five days of, of work to do, I don't, wow. I don't know if I could handle it. But it is Wednesday. Uh, I don't even know what day it feels like anymore. It is 2024. Yes, like, we know I, that I, part, yes. I think we've told people Happy New Year before, but uh, Happy New Year again. Absolutely. We've been so focused on this football game that it's like nothing else has really mattered. At least been more focused focused on Bowie High, but we weren't. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's on that's on us right there. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, Happy New Year to everybody. It is Wednesday after all, and yes, okay. So Sunday, back to that story. So Sunday, our first broadcast at Manning's. We're doing a three-hour roundtable out there in New Orleans, and we're getting set up. And before we actually go live we always test the equipment right yes absolutely sound check just like you would for a concert we just want to make sure everything works make sure people can hear us whatever all of that stuff before we actually start the show so we test all the mics all of the headsets work good news and then i always test to make sure the sound from the computer can be heard over the live speakers for the audience for the audience who is in person oops Right, like, you know, we're going to be playing some Steve Sarkeesian audio. We might be playing some Kalen DeBoer audio, whatever. We've got stuff that we want to play for the people. If you've maybe maybe a little Ford, Bob FM. You know that. I don't know if we're allowed to play Bob FM. Probably getting, <laughs> probably getting some trouble for that. Copyright rules on YouTube are pretty strict. But anyway, like I'm just, all right, let's test, let's test it. Let's make sure uh, people can hear what we need to play off of the computer. So I just click a random drop. From our bank of drops that we have here. And this is the one I clicked. Not so fast, Midget. Not so fast. Ooh. And hey, that, that can be funny for some. Not quite New Year's. We could be canceled. We could have been canceled. It was the day before. Somebody could be offended. Someone could find it funny. Uh, it's not us calling anybody a midget. It's Lee nope. Corso calling somebody a midget. But we played that. The problem was, Buck, there was a little person on staff working there working at mannings walking around the entire establishment close to us very close to us yes and as soon as i played that i didn't realize my mistake in real time did you feel the eyes look did you feel us all looking like oh yeah like five or six of y'all just stared me down and i think intern brock dropped it holy shit (laughs) and i look and i'm like for the next five minutes i'm like oh we're getting kicked out i just screwed this whole thing up we put in all this work to set all this equipment up and really to set all this broadcast up over the last few weeks to make sure we had somewhere to be in the big easy and i screwed it up by doing this fast midget not so fast everything that we had worked for all season was just thrown away by a three-second drop that I played when trying to do a sound check. And I, I, I guess she didn't hear. She didn't come up and say Ooh. anything. Maybe she heard and was just like, maybe she didn't know where it came from. 
Where did that come from? Where's Zay at? I was waiting for her to go jump on Zay's lap and punch him in the face. Oh, yeah. You know, if she she came after us and asked who did it, I would have pointed to somebody else. Zay, sitting right in front. He's just sitting there. And yeah, said, he looked like the guy who would do it. Just pointed him. Yeah, yeah. Well, Zay, I, I might have pointed at Zay because he's the biggest guy we have. And he's one of the guys who was eyeballing you like, really? Do you see this lady going up and down these steps right here? Just she wouldn't fight Zay. If, if, if I pointed to you, she would have came over there and kicked your ass. No, she was going to have to wrestle me down. I was. I would have been on. It would have been on. Oh, yeah. Not for long because she was she was stout. She she had some she had some shoulders and and some guns. So that would have been much of a battle. But I'd have, tell you, I'd have gone for the team. I'd have been on the floor in that pee-filled, you know, Louisiana places, you know. When you're, saying, when you're saying it would have been on, you meant like fighting. You wouldn't have been trying yeah, no, to no, 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 move no, on no. her, like wrestling no. on the ground. I like the dude, hand. not like the homeless dude who was trying to get to me. No. I know what he was up to. Okay, it's good that you would not have tried to take advantage of uh, of this little person. But I was thinking she, if she just jumped up on Zay's lap, that could have been so, – just started smacking him in the – While he's sitting down, uh, just throwing sitting, haymakers? Yes. You playing yeah. that? You playing that? Is that yeah. your guys playing that? I'm going to get you. That would have been great. She would have maybe nut shot at all of us and oh. then ran off. And we would have well, we got away with it. We got out of there. We got away with it. Yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty terrifying few minutes after that drop was played. Just thinking, oh God, we're about to get the boot. And thanks to all the folks that we met there too. We met a lot of, a lot oh, of just so many people. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Hey. Uh, Great weekend for Texas Sports Unfiltered, minus the result of the game. You know, we could have used a win there, so we could talk about this team for another week. But, uh, no, had a lot of fun in New Orleans. Thanks again to all of our great travel partners who made that happen. Shout out to Good Stock by Nolan Ryan yes. as well. Go see their butcher shop off of 79, right by the Dell Diamond in Round Rock, or you can buy stuff online at GoodStockTX.com. See Barry and his wife, they were there. They came to... to to, to watch us. That was fabulous. Yes, indeed. Phenomenal people, and they sling some phenomenal meats as well. The burgers, the steaks, the briskets, the chicken, if that's more your thing. Yep. Bacon-wrapped, jalapeno pot. Just just go. Just go and uh, see them or go online at goodstocktx.com. Uh, all of our great sponsors. Pest Wranglers as well. Want to give them some love. We'll play a, a recorded spot from Pest Wranglers here before we get back into the uh, Texas football Here's a word from our guy, Steve, Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com. Thank you very much, Steve. Yeah, maybe I should have played this drop instead. Excuse me, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> or this one. Shut up, bitch! Wow. You think you think that would have gone over well? That. Uh, oh, there's, there's so many nice people in that place. Uh, the manager there was so nice. Oh, Jazzy? Jazzy, she was nice. What do you mean by that? Nice. She was very nice, very kind to us. You didn't do a lot of talking to her, very so kind, I don't know. Very kind to the world. Mm. Oh, okay. Saying she was attractive. She that was they were just nice people, very very friendly, very focused people there. I'll say it. She was attractive, but she and was we, also really nice. And and Archie, we saw Archie Manning there. Archie Manning was there. The OG was there at his spot. He was there. We were hoping, hoping to get him on the show, but he left before 
Yeah, broadcast started. He was in there. He was there early, man. He was there watching games early. Yeah, the Saints. Well, the Saints played the Falcons at noon, and we started at two. We got there around twelve forty-five to begin setting up. But they love uh, the Saints, the Colts, and the Bengals because of Joe Burrow. I mean, that place had. Yeah, they like the Bengals too. They they were cheering for the Bengals. I'm like, why are these? Why are they cheering so hard for the Bengals? Because Joe Burrow is that with the Bengals. That's why. And Jamar Chase. They got a couple of value Bengals. That's right. They have the guys right there. Yeah. Yes, indeed. All right. Speaking of receivers, um, since I just brought up a receiver, transition by me. Xavier Worthy is gone, Buck. Yep. Uh, He's off to the NFL. He posted on his Instagram and his Twitter account last night that he was uh, foregoing his senior year at the University of Texas and will declare for the NFL draft coming up in April. Xavier Worthy leaves Texas. How about this? Fourth all-time in receiving yards in school history. Third all-time in receiving touchdowns in school history. Obviously, was an All-American level returner this year at Texas. Dealt with some injury issues, but never missed a game during his time at the University of Texas. And he was Steve Sarkeesian's first recruit. Part of that transition class after Sark got the job, I think it was like three years ago yesterday, where Texas announced Steve Sarkeesian as its coach and introduced him and did all of that. He was a late addition, I think originally committed to Michigan. Texas was able to flip him late. And Xavier Worthy, you talk about a program-changing caliber player. He was a big part. Obviously stuck it out through 5-7 and seven and 8-5 and five and was a huge part of this program's turnaround and a huge part of this team's success. I mean, he he, he goes down as a top-five maybe top three receiver in the history of this football program, Buck. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's 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 special, special speed guy. You know, this year his hands were fantastic, and his punt return game was 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 awesome, you know. But, I mean, we looked at that guy. You just wondered if he would be big enough. Is he going to be strong enough? But as you said, he didn't miss any games. I mean, that guy just played and played and played. Now, he got banged up, but he played through his injuries. I mean, he, you know, played with a broken hand last year. And I thought he was special as a punt returner this year. I mean, he's he's one of the best. I mean, he's one. Of, he's got to be one of the best speed guys that we've ever seen in the history of this university. And there've been some fast dudes at wide receiver here, but he he may go down as as one of the top two or three fastest guys ever play wide receiver here. Oh, absolutely. And I, I try to think of my favorite Xavier worthy memories. Uh, the game he burst onto the scene against Texas Tech had three touchdowns in his first 100-yard performance in uh, his first season uh, for the Longhorns. That win over Texas Tech, where the Longhorns put up 70 against the Red Raiders back in 21. Obviously, the Oklahoma game. Uh, That game sucked because Texas blew a huge second-half lead. But Xavier Worthy, the first play of that game from scrimmage, had a 75-yard touchdown. Remember they called that screen? And X took it to the house. He had seven, excuse me, nine catches for 261 yards and two tutties in that game. Really, his freshman season was awesome. He was a freshman All-American, an all-conference caliber player. He was phenomenal for Texas, and they needed him. And then year two, you're right, second half of the year wasn't great. Had some issues with drops. We found out after the year that he was playing with a broken hand. Still did some good things for the Longhorns, but obviously this year, both as a receiver and a return man, was uh, massive for this Texas team. Led the team in catches and receiving yards again and uh, was just a difference maker. Yeah, I mean, you should put that Keelan Robinson cast on, and we'd understood he had that broken hand. We'd have been able to see, yep, that Mm -hmm. hand is broke because that cast is big. They needed him last year, right, because they didn't have Adonai Mitchell. And Xavier Worthy, look, at times Texas force-fed him the ball 
in 2022 because he was clearly the best option that they had. And uh, it would have been nice to have some more options last year that maybe they could have gone to to uh, prevent targeting him as much as they did when he was playing with uh, a broken hand. But um, still, he toughed it out and, and did what he could. And look, he's not George Shipley level, obviously. Uh, he's not Roy Williams level. But you could easily make the case that Xavier Worthy is the third best wide receiver in program history. When you look at the numbers, obviously the eye test and with what he meant for this team, both on offense and on special teams, he is in that mix. As oh, there's a, no doubt. Number three for UT. I mean, he has he, and he has speed to burn too, and uh, I, I we all wish him well. I think he's going to have a really nice pro career. Wish he'd come back one more. We all wish they'd all come back. We wish they'd come back for four more. Yeah, but if we if we could keep him like some of these other schools keep their guys for all these years, he'd be one you'd like to keep. But that's a first round draft pick. He's going to be gone. Yeah, and CB says the touchdown against Alabama on that deep shot where he made yep. that great adjustment midair to track that ball down. Uh, that was huge. Yeah, like he's, he's third all-time in touchdowns for Texas football. And once again, part of the massive turnaround under Steve Sarkeesian, the first recruit Sark brought in in a ton of this program. And yeah, I mean, he's he's there with like Quan Cosby's in the mix, uh, Mike Adams, Wayne yeah. McGarity, Limus Swede. Like that. that's sort of your next echelon of Texas wide receiver greats after Shipley and Roy Williams, who I think are a clear one-two. Um, and yeah, uh, X-Man belongs right in that conversation with those guys. So, uh, hell of a career, like you said, probably going to be a first round pick. Wouldn't have made much sense for him to come back as much as we no. would love for him to have come back, but he's gone. And Jordan Whittington, we know is gone. And I expect Adonai Mitchell to have a similar social media post over the next 12 days where he also says that he's going to the NFL. So we expected it. Texas was probably going to have to do a lot to overhaul its wide receiver room. And uh, that thing started yesterday with uh, Worthy making his announcement. Yeah, names, it'll, things will start to get around. You know, I don't know if if Mitchell thinks about what's going to go on with Quinn Ewers. That, that does make a difference, too. I mean, a guy who's, you know, do you start over with a young quarterback? You're going to be, you know, you've won two national championships. You won a Big 12 championship. Do you stick around for a young guy throwing the ball to you? If your veteran comes back, do you say, well, maybe I'll come back and, and move up in the draft? Or or you just say, no, I think I'll just take my chances. I, I don't want to be under a new guy throwing the ball. It's just not, you know, sometimes those things, those those are going to be looked at too. You know, yep. Whittington has to go. You know that. So um, Sanders probably gone too. Yeah, Sanders is interesting, right? Because there have been some rumors in recent weeks saying that he's still mulling his decision. Oh, he wants that 80 catch season, does he? Yeah, I mean, look, he he's tight end two for Mel Kuyper Jr. right now. So I don't know if he'd be a first round pick, but at worst, I think Jatavion Sanders is a second round pick. No, that's at worst. I agree. Yeah, so he might be saying, hey, if I come back for another year, there's no Brock Bowers. Like Bowers is gone, so I can be the best tight end in the nation and I can play myself into the first round. Uh, maybe he wants to do that. And I owe money at Texas is going to be strong. Uh, so, yeah, maybe he decides that that's the right move for him. I'd still be a little surprised if he does return because, you know, NFL money is NFL money. And the goals for guys who play at the University of Texas is not to play at UT and be done. Their goal is to play on Sundays. Sure. Yeah, and, and, and those extra hits and what he does. And I, as I said, I thought he was fantastic this year as a run blocker, I thought he did. I think he's come a long way in just one year to me as a guy who can get in there and muck it up with, with you know, 
big tackles and linebackers. I thought he did fantastic. He was a big part of the run game and how the run game went this year when Jonathan Brooks was in there. That guy had a lot to do with what was going on, whether he was in motion. Now, when you put him out in motion with a busted ankle, I understand that's things like that will happen. That's, that's not on him. But when he was down there in that three-point stands at the end of that line, he was good. He really yeah. was good this season. A more willing blocker. Absolutely. absolutely. And look, he's not George Kittle. Or, no. or he's just an amazing blocker as a tight end. But uh, he holds his own enough, and obviously NFL teams are looking for that in their tight ends. But as a receiver, yeah, Jatavion Sanders can be a, a major mismatch and a matchup nightmare at times for opposing teams. And, uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if he came back. Very pleasantly surprised if he came back. But, uh, no, I, I fully expect Adonai Mitchell to declare – I fully expect Jatavion Sanders to declare. So now Texas is going to have to bring in some new pass catchers. Now they've they've got some guys on campus that I think people are excited about. Jontae Cook at the top of that list, five-star receiver. Obviously, Matthew Golden, the transfer from Houston, is coming in here. You feel like that guy's got a really good chance to be a really special talent. Ryan Wingo, the five-star, one of the top receivers in the nation in this recruiting class, is coming in. Got DeAndre Moore. You've got Ryan Niblett as well. But um, we'll see if Texas goes to the portal for somebody else. We'll see if they uh, feel good enough about the guys that they have right now or if they say, no, we want uh, that veteran guy. Yep, veteran guy who already has some college experience because outside of Matthew Golden, you've got a total of eight catches in this returning wide receiver room. That's if uh, Adonai Mitchell decides to go to the NFL. Yes. I wonder if this coaching staff says, yeah, we want that experienced on the outside because that was big for us this year. No, no doubt. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I think they're, they're going to be okay. I mean, they've got a couple tight ends that can get the job done, you know, so I, I feel pretty good about that, that situation. So, but it's the wide receiver that, that core, but there's a lot of production that you gotta, they gotta make, make up for if those two guys, if those three guys leave, that's mm-hmm. tons of production that you gotta make up for. Yeah. Texas, Texas is going to get most of its offense back, especially if Quinn Ewers comes back. Uh, four of the five O-linemen I expect to return. Uh, the running backs, we'll see with Jonathan Brooks. Hopefully he does come back. But, you know, Baxter and Blue will uh, be here for at least one more year. Uh, but, yeah, those uh, those pass catchers, and you need those. Yeah, You need those in today's college football. Especially in this uh, offense. Yeah, especially in this offense. Yeah, those uh, those are obviously going to be dudes that need to be replaced and uh, holes that need to be filled for Texas. So well you're gonna and, and on the defensive side, you're gonna have to replace a fantastic linebacker that was very good for two years. Really had was it was incredible. And and not only that is his coach is gone too. So that's a double replacement there that you yep. have to fit in. You've got to get the right guy to come and coach these linebackers into this scheme. And it and by the way, it can't take can't take the coach three years to fit him in. He's got to be ready. He's got to be coming and running. So I think Sark may look to, towards that, the NFL again. I mean, I think he saw what happened with the wide receiver coach and how effective he was coming from the NFL. I think you do the same thing this way. You look for the best of the best that you can get for your linebacker core. Sure. I mean, CDC is going to open up the pocketbook. Sure. And tell Sark, hey, go after whoever you want. Money will not be an issue. Whoever you think is the best guy you can bring in to be your next linebacker's coach. And Jeff Choate was also the co-DC so that title might come along with the yes. next hire as well, which yeah, that's, that's a good thing. You're able to attract bigger name candidates with more money and better titles, right? Coaches are just like us in that regard. That's what every employee is looking for. So yeah, I haven't done too much research. I got to make some calls this week and do some studying uh, about who is realistically in the mix 
for uh, that vacancy that Jeff Choate is leaving behind. But yeah, I, I've got faith in Steve Sarkeesian finding somebody. Oh yeah, somebody he knows he's got a lot of people on his list already. Probably yeah, going to do a good job. But yeah, the Texas defense they they lose some guys too. They'll, they'll, they'll return plenty of talent, but uh, obviously Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, two guys. Uh, Sweat has to be gone. Byron Murphy, I expect to be gone. Jalen Ford is the guy you're talking about. Yes, like there there are some uh, big name players and guys who contributed a lot to this defense, which despite the secondary struggles and obviously despite what we saw on Monday night, was still a very, very good bunch the last couple of seasons. Uh, some of the most important cogs on that side of the football are gone. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a different look next season. Longhorns are doing a good job in the portal. They're doing a good job with recruiting. That's why I'm confident that there's not going to be some massive, massive step back. Uh, I don't know if I can predict Texas to win the SEC in year one, but I think this team will be in the mix in year one and with the expanded playoff 12 teams starting next year sure we'll be optimistic austin yeah, yeah. reason to we'll believe make sure that. we're all optimistic about what can happen from this point on yeah reason to believe changes. the longhorns could be there yeah. yeah they'll make changes though i mean they'll have some talented guys that also want to come to school here and be a part of what's going on this was a fantastic year for them it really was you know me in the beginning of it i said just get me get me to a championship game that's all you need to do because a lot of things can happen in a championship game, and they did more than just get to a championship. They won the they won the championship, and that's that's huge. That's huge for this team. Indeed. A couple of texts to get to on the code of text line, 512-222-9328. 512 number says, I'm about to head to Sue Patrick right now. Nice. Get the rest of the gear. It's there. Get the rest of the gear. Another 512 number says, back in the day, Rodney and I used to entertain the lunch crowd by doing wrestling moves on the stage. Class of 89. I wonder if that's Jose Moore. It's somebody who went to high school with Rodney back at Lockhart back in the day. Wow. About that wrestling moves in the lunchroom? Come on, guys. What are we doing there? That's weird. Food that's fight. Fun. That's okay. But you're, you're doing suplexes on guys at the table? Awful. And then uh, another text to get to. Is there a reason Jonte Cook didn't return kicks instead of Keelan Robinson? I think that'll all change this year. I think that they'll, they'll, they'll think that you know, they'll give him a year to become their returner, probably even their punt returner. I think some of that stuff may even change. Yeah. Well, Matthew Golden, the Houston transfer, is probably your punt returner. Absolutely. Because he was second team all-conference in the Big 12 doing that at the U of H. Uh, kickoff returns, maybe it's Jaden Blue because he he did that decently well yes. uh, in New Orleans on Monday night. Uh, we'll see if it's him. We'll see if it's Shante Cook. Long off season for this coaching staff to figure some things out. All right, I got a little bit of an emergency, so I got to get cranking. Yeah, the, blind, the, the blinds yeah. were open, which is a scary thought. I don't know what that means, but you could tell, couldn't you? Huh? There's a difference. Yeah. Well, your shift ends at ten, so you got. No, I'm kidding. Get out of here, dude. All right, buddy. See you. See you in the morning. Good show. All right, there he goes. The buck and uh, one half of chaos theory. Nice enough to jump on a minute early. It is Adam Wagner. What's up, Wags? I'm um still sombering. You know what I mean? Still uh. Still down, still Debbie Downer, down in the dumps. You know what I mean? Uh, still trying to get over it. It's going to burn for a minute. I tried to rewatch it. Couldn't You've, do it. Uh, yeah, I, I have to. I'm going to rewatch it today. I was exhausted. We didn't get back until like 9.30 last night, and I just didn't have it in me to sit through three hours of a football broadcast where I knew my favorite team was going to lose. So well, that'll be on the... That'll be on the agenda today. But Wags, you've you've drank enough in your life to know that there are certain hangovers that last longer than one day. 
Like mm. some, sometimes you're lucky. You go out, you have a good time. You barely have any hangover. Sometimes you've got bad hangovers that last the whole next day and you can't do shit. And then there are times where you just, you go so hard that, dude, you're like two or three days past the night you went out and you're still reeling a little bit. That's that's kind of how I feel right now. Is it because of the booze or because of the the product of the, the game that we saw? <laughs> a little bit of both, but All more right. more the football because like I, I had a bunch of friends who, who went out after the game. Uh, on Monday, and I just how I can you? How can how can you? I know, I know, and it's like, I, look, I won't fault anybody if you want to go out and drink away your pain, whatever. But I was just too depressed and honestly too tired after that whole trip to uh, to to deal with that. Like, KD, KD called me up after the post game show to talk about how you know how you know, to talk about the good stuff we talked about and everything. I was like, dude, I don't even. Want, I just want to go to bed. He's like, damn, <laughs> really? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like, not you, man. I'm just pissed. Off. I'm really yeah. pissed off. Like that wasn't a front on the post game. Like I was really disappointed, man. I, I, I honestly thought. I even texted Rodney. I was like, "We're gonna fucking win this. This is our, this is our national championship, dude." And just like I, I, oh my god. And it was like I described it on Friday or Thursday when we all went down there. I was like, "Jordan Whittington's gonna have the game of his life. He's gonna come, you know, show out. He's gonna be the, you know, the top dog for Texas. He's gonna have one of those moments he had when he was at Quero, you know, having a, a saving catch or whatnot." God, guys, it felt like it was all coming together, man. It felt like the crystal ball. Like, I got my nipples are hard. I got goosebumps right now just even talking about it, man. And it felt like everything was happening. They they had uh, interference, kick interference, or excuse me, catch interference on a punt. Yeah. Then there was yeah. another infraction to help us get down there. We were set up on the, on the, on the 12. We were set up on the 12. Are you serious? Uh, how in the hell did we not get, or how in the hell did... Did the stars align for us to get down there and it not happen? Like that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, well, funny. it was it was like, how the hell are we in this spot? And then when we got to that spot, it's like, ah, shit. How the hell did we not capitalize on being in this spot? Man, th that was the whole thing. You know, sitting there watching that, I I'm like, you know, as it's going on, it's like, okay, it's done. You, you know, third quarter starts, and it's like, okay, do we want to go to the exit? But no, you don't do that. You hang around, but. Yeah, right there at the end. It was one of those things to where, you know, even walking out, we talked about that, BK, where it's like, we go walking out of there and it was like, if we yeah, don't. How was that? How was that like, moment? Like, I'm, I'm I'm, glad I wasn't there for that. No, well, yeah. <laughs> but um, once it was done, once it was done, you go walking out and it's like, if we'd have won that game, it'd have been, I mean, it just wouldn't have felt right, right? I mean, it was like Washington was the better team all night, all night. Yes. But still, but still, the resiliency of this team—they they found a way to put themselves in a spot to 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 maybe win this. And and man, that would have been such a great story. But yeah, it—I uh, mean, being there, that that I have never been a part of something so dramatic and so um, it. Uh, I mean, sitting there like our whole section, right? BK, we're sitting there, and it's all like all all of y'all were together. Um, no, he and I and, and Tracy and and uh, and um, who else was with us? Oh, the our, our intern. Oh, intern Mason. Mason. Oh my God. Yeah, ten year old Mason. But but it was it was a bunch of Texas fans, and you're sitting there, and it's like, I think it was such disbelief to where number one, how in the fuck are we in a spot to win this game, and then number two, you know, once it all happens, and and I I, I am. I will never forget the moment when that pass went in the air. It got totally quiet in section 617. 
it's like there is nothing, nothing being said, and then you know, it happens. Yeah, but just, um, I don't know. I'm just a little bit. I'm a little bit hurt. I mean, maybe I don't know what they had on the jumbotrons there, but I mean, I had a picture perfect screen because of Tom McKay and audiovisual consultations. Shout out to them, by the way. Um, dude, like that last that last pass. I, I can't remember the defender uh, that was on it, but Adonai Mitchell. I mean, sure, it was it was bam bam. It was a you know it was a two, you know a a bang bang play of of a, of a moment, right? He still had his neck draped all over the dude, and he was pulling him down to get trajectory to knock the pass down. All right, wow. now I know it's a bang bang play. They're, they're not going to call. I'm, it, I'm not going to be that guy that sits here and says that the yeah. refs were were the problem, right? Because you, it's like BK says, you should not be. You, you should be able not to on play that well play. enough to take care of the refs. You don't like end that game that it. way. You don't end that game with with that call. It would be well, one thing in, if he tackled also, you gotta him. Let him play. You got to let him play through it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you absolutely have to let him play through it. Yeah. Um, you, but also, you, you could you could argue that if the first round or if the first half wasn't influenced by terrible calls, then here's here's the whole part of that wags where I, I think Brad, we were talking about this to where at the end of the first half, yeah, this just got serious. All, we got a Brad. Despite, oh, well, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, <laughs> despite all of that, despite all of that, and Texas looked to be a couple of steps behind from the get-go to me, it seemed like. But despite all of that, you look up at the half, and we're going to get beers, and it's 21 to 21. Still, it's like a brand-new ball game. We're hey, starting right. over. We're starting over. It was that third quarter, that damn third quarter right. yeah. that, that was the one. I mean, you can't turn the ball over. We talked about that. You, you absolutely cannot give these guys opportunities because they, they, they exploit everything. And, and look, let's give Washington some credit right here. They, they, they're pretty fucking good. And I think a lot of – I was listening to some of the national pundits on the way home yesterday because Lord knows I sat in traffic forever. Did y'all, BK? What, what the hell was going on? I never like saw road construction. It, that, that was horrible. Nine and a half hours, I think, to uh, to get uh -huh. back yesterday. Like How I was that car ride? Wasted. Uh, it smelled weird. Was, you know, Bucky had the nut cheese, I think, rolling in there. From and, under? Uh, the from under cheese? From under cheese. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's we, a great smell. We made yep. it. Frustrating. Sad. Sad car ride after a that's, loss. Oh, that's, oh, like, mm -hmm. I, I didn't imagine there was much talking. Now, with Bucky there, he doesn't shut up so you know there's plenty of talking going on but uh we were we were sad we were all sports sad for sure yeah yeah, yeah it sucks Definitely. man I, like i was i was a true believer guys like i like again like i i honestly thought the stars were aligning to get us down on the 12 yard line because yeah. we were going to advance to play michigan like i really i was just like it's happening like there's no i didn't have a doubt and then when then when the pass wasn't completed i was just like oh no way dude rewind that play that back no way yeah. yeah, sucks. All right. It absolutely sucks. I'll leave you guys. I will leave you guys. Later, brother. Thank you for sticking right. around. Later. Of course. Thank you for popping on early. Excited to listen. Absolutely, man. Have a great Thanks, show. Dude.